Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mack. Today, uh, we are going to speak about the Israel um, crisis. We have alerts on our phones. Uh, you might hear some. Uh, we are safe in America. Our studio is in America. We have people in Israel um, currently. Um, that is, that is in bunkers right now, um, near Tel Aviv area, um, and as of now, Israel is still under attack, so we will have our alerts on and Pause for a moment and uh, let everybody know where is these attacks happening, okay? So let's get into the podcast and pray for Israel. Have you ever wondered why you have your nasty garbage can not cleaned? Well... Simply Cans is the place to go. Go to simplycans.com and mention my name, Ari Mack, and you can see some greatest stuff with Simply Cans cleaning your can today. That get that dirty can out of your needs. They go to your house in northern New Jersey. Simply Cans is a northern New Jersey company. Many people actually love them. I approve with them. Here's a quote from, here's a, here's a review from Gabriel Walker. He said, OMG, I never thought my trash cans would ever smell good again. And they look brand new. Thanks so much. They look brand new and smell better. Be like Gabriel and call them today. Wonderful or even go to their website. Go to simplycans.com and you can see their wonderful YouTube channel and Instagram. They disinfect your can with with amazing disinfection. They deodorize it and even um, clean it like perfect. Go to simplycans.com or call today 855 wash can 858 excuse me 866 wash can 866-927-4226 have a clean day from simply cans in northern new jersey Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Israel is currently under attack. We have our alert system on right now. I'm in the alert system. Um, and it's really, really scary. Really scary. What? is going on in Israel right now and um, 
Especially, especially um, on a holiday that's coming up. The holiday of Shavuot, which is um, when, when the Jews got the, the Torah. Um, and we got to Mount Sinai, we got the um, Torah, two sets of the Torah. Um, and we, and we basically come together and, of the Torah. But, it's really, really scary. It's a really scary, I, I am pausing right now. This is the, that's the, um, uh, Gaza commitment, um, zone in, uh, Zimirat and Shava, um, a rocket is, um, and Ben Beit Hagdi, Olumim, and Saad, and Shadoka, Akifarm, and Tosha, Toshea, Takum, and as we continue, that's the um, rocket alert. Um, Zimrat Shava, another set of them, multiple rockets. As we um, talk about this rocket stuff, um, Shavuot is a celebration day. It's supposed to be a day of celebration, but as you've been hearing on our that we have right now it's been crazy with rockets um and it's it's really scary for an israeli kid uh for an american kid for anyone who lives in israel it's really scary we will turn off our alerts and we will play Benjamin Netanyahu. And if there's more alerts, we will um, alert everybody for that. For now, we will play Benjamin Netanyahu. Ashdod, um, there's rockets in Ashdod right now. So, we pray for Israel as we continue our... our Good morning, Mr. Prime Minister. Thank you for being with us. Good morning. I want to start with, uh, the, yesterday was the worst clash in this seven-day conflict. The last one of a similar sort in 2014 lasted six weeks. How much longer are these hostilities going to continue? Well, we hope that it doesn't continue very long, but uh, we were attacked by Hamas on uh, our National Day, Jerusalem Day, uh, attacks, unprovoked attacks on Jerusalem, uh, and then thousands of rockets and missiles on our cities. Uh, and I think any country uh, has to defend itself. It has a natural right of self-defense. We'll do whatever it takes to restore order and quiet uh, and uh, the security of our people and deterrence. We're trying to degrade Hamas's terrorist abilities and to degrade their will to do this again. So it'll take some time. I hope it won't take long, but it's not immediate. 
2,900 rockets uh, fired on Hamas, according to one fired from Hamas, according to one report. But there's also a report that Egypt offered a truce. Hamas said yes. You said no. Why? Well, that's not what I know. And frankly, uh, if Hamas thought that they could just fire on our rockets and then sit back and enjoy uh, immunity, uh, that's false. We are targeting a terrorist organization that is targeting our civilians and hiding behind their civilians, using them as human shields. We're doing everything we can to hit the terrorists themselves, their rockets, their rocket caches and their arms, uh, but we're not going to... Uh, just let them get away with it. Neither would you. I mean, you just imagine what would have happened if uh, you had uh, 2,900 uh, rockets fired on Washington and New York and others. I think you, you would understand our position. I think you do, actually. The precision of that targeting has uh, been up for question. There's been a lot of focus on the bombing on Saturday in Gaza of a building that housed the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. The Committee to Protect Journalists demanded detailed and documented justification. This morning there's a Jerusalem Post story that says the Americans were shown a smoking gun uh, that proof that Hamas was in that building. What is that proof um, and did you show it to the Americans? Well we share with our American friends all that in intelligence and here's the intelligence we had. It's about Palestinian terrorist uh, uh, an intelligence office for the Palestinian terrorist organization housed in that building that plots and organizes acts against Israeli civilians. So it's a perfectly legitimate target. Uh, and I can tell you that we took every precaution to make sure that there were no uh, civilian injuries, in fact, no deaths, no injuries whatsoever. Uh, well, I can't say injuries. I don't know if somebody received a, a fragment of a, of a stone. I don't know that. But no people were killed. Now imagine, ask yourself, how is that possible? You see these high-rise used by Hamas over and over again. They collapse and no one is killed. Why does that happen? Because we, unlike Hamas, take special precautions to tell people, leave the building, leave the premises. We make sure that everyone is gone before we bring down those terrorist facilities. And that's the difference between Israel and Hamas. They deliberately target our cities, deliberately target our civilians. They glorify the death of children and, it, and uh, civilians and old people. They are happy with it. I think they're happy with uh, any deaths that are caused to them. We grieve for every non-combatant loss in Gaza, and we grieve for all our civilians who die in Israel. Get, we don't, we're not happy with it, and we try to minimize it. I want to get to minimizing those casualties, but you spoke with President uh, Biden yesterday, it's inconceivable you would have talked to him and not shared proof of Hamas in those buildings that housed the journalists. Did you share that with him? Well, we pass it through the uh, intelligence services to our people, to uh, those people. Uh, why do you think we brought down that building? The interesting thing is, I would say that, you know, all the journalists, one of the, uh, I think, AP journalists said, we were lucky to get out. No, well, you weren't lucky to get out. It wasn't luck. It's because we took special pains to call people in those buildings to make sure that the premises were vacated. Mm -hmm. And that's why we brought down that building. And look, you have your own experiences, I think, in, in Mosul, in Fallujah, in Afghanistan. Uh, I think you can appreciate the efforts we go through in dense urban fighting when terrorists are uh, 
targeting civilians who are hiding behind civilians, how difficult that is. We do our best to avoid civilian casualties, and we did that yesterday with that building as well. Mr. Prime Minister, the arguments about how careful Israel have been are familiar ones to your critics. And in this case, with 181 Palestinians dead, 52 of them children, there's significant criticism. Amnesty International has asked the criminal, International Criminal Court to look into a refugee camp attack. The UN is meeting today. Foreign ministers of the EU are meeting. And, and the, the response has been like this one from the foreign minister of Ireland. Israel has international legal obligation to protect children in conflict and are not doing so. That's just a false. I mean, the reason we have these casualties is because Hamas is criminally attacking us from uh, civilian neighborhoods, from schools, from homes, from office buildings. That's what they're doing. But, uh, and we're taking action, trying to target them with as great precision as we can. Unfortunately, there are uh, occasionally civilian casualties, which we regret. But here's what happens. When the international community attacks Israel, they're actually encouraging Hamas to continue these attacks because Hamas says, it's great. We're both killing Israeli civilians and uh, Unfortunately, some of our, and they're happy with their own civilian casualties because it gets that, uh, the international community to focus their attacks on Israel instead of Hamas. That's wrong. Sure. It's both wrong and unproductive because but, actually what it does is prolong the conflict and escalate and increase the number of casualties that, uh, that happen as a result of the, the question, continuation Mr. of the conflict. The question, Mr. Prime Minister, is uh, U.S. Secretary of State Tony Blinken said that Israel has an extra burden that Israel, because of its strength and power and dominance, has an extra burden on these question of cap casualties. The question is whether Israel is meeting its extra burden uh, in, in responding to these rocket attacks from Hamas. Certainly are. And I can tell you that uh, there have been many studies by serious military analysts who have compared Israel's actions with that of other Western armies in uh, similar situations fighting uh, radical Islamists uh, whether it's in uh, Iraq or in uh, Afghanistan or elsewhere, and you know those conflicts are, how many casualties are caused. Uh, so I, I think there, is a, uh, there has to be a measure of fairness. Uh, there has to be a measure of, uh, of reasonableness in projecting this kind of criticism against the Israeli army that is second to none in seeking to minimize civilian casualties while protecting our own civilians. Uh, you know, if Hamas would simply move these rockets out of the civilian areas, if they move their command posts out of these uh, homes and offices, uh, then there, there wouldn't be any problem. Let you me know ask you, Mr. Prime Minister. But the fact is, they're sending thousands of rockets yeah. on our cities with a specific purpose of murdering our civilians from these places. Let me ask you, now, Mr. What would you do? Let me ask if you, it Mr. happened to Washington and to New York, you know, you know damn Minister, well what you do. Let me ask you, you a, do, a, a very broader least, what question. Let me ask you a broader question that was articulated by Senator Bernie Sanders, which is distinct from the clashes over the last week. His argument is that the treatment of the Palestinians is, is so rough that they are in a fashion that there can never be peace, never be a two-state solution, and that, uh, that your treatment of the Palestinians outside of this week uh, is, creates conditions that are always going to lead to this kind of unrest, not just the missile attacks, but the riots you see in cities. What's your response to that?
let's divide it into two. First of all, the uh, the uh, Hamas is not uh, is not attacking us because they're trying to uh, increase uh, uh, the, the welfare of Palestinians. In fact, they're taking huge sums to build the terror tunnels, which we've uh, uh, been able to neutralize, uh, to uh, have rockets, missiles, and other armaments. They're not building up Gaza. They're they're doing everything in their power to turn it into a fortified terror camp in order to destroy Israel. And they openly say their goal is to destroy Israel. They're not interested in any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of coexistence, any kind of uh, uh, the, the kind of peace, the four peace treaties that I've made with Arab countries that are changing the Middle East. They're trying everything in their power to avoid the path of peace and reconciliation. So uh, I think any, any objective observer understands that Hamas is out to destroy the state of Israel and they're not, they're not a partner. And as far as the uh, uh, citizens of Israel or Arabs, uh, I've done more than any other prime minister to, and spent billions and billions of uh, dollars in Israeli shekels uh, and five times more than all the previous governments combined to ensure the, the, that uh, our Israeli Arab citizens, all of them, can be part of the Israeli miracle, the great economic success story. Uh, I've invested that because I believe in it. I didn't do it now, and I didn't do it for CBS Face the Nation. I really believe in this. There has been a minority, a violent minority, that has tried to challenge that as well and to kill right, Mr. Prime Minister, innocent let me, people. I won't tolerate let me get that. Before you, Neither Arabs killing Israelis or, uh, or Jews killing no. Arabs or Arabs killing Jews. Let me ask, I want you to respond Please. to one other thing before we go, which is your domestic challenges. You are under investigation for bribery, fraud, breach of trust. You've also had some uh, difficulty for failed attempts to put together a government in the last 23 months. This leads to the criticism that your current actions are basically an effort to stay in power. And what's your response to that? That's preposterous. You know, I, when I was uh, a young soldier, 18 years old, I held a fellow soldier who died in my arms. A few years later, my brother, my older brother, died while... Uh, leading a rescue mission in Entebbe, Uganda, to release Israeli hostages. I've seen comrades fall. I've seen my brother fall. And I think anybody who knows me knows that I've never, ever subordinated security concerns, the life of our soldiers, the life of our citizens, for political interests. That's just hogwash. I'll do what I have to do to protect the lives of Israeli citizens and to restore peace. I've made peace with four Arab countries. I'm glad that we have a restoration of some considerable calm within Israel. That's my goal, to restore peace and quiet and to assure tranquility and reconciliation for all. But this is a persistent criticism, Mr. Prime Minister. Why do you think it persists? It persists because uh, I've been re-elected five times. It persists because I beat every other candidate in uh, pu public polls and in direct election uh, simulations. Apparently, the people of Israel, the majority, don't agree with this false criticism and this cynicism. They know that I'm standing there for Israel, for the uh, safety and prosperity of the Israeli people. By the way, all of Israel's citizens, Jews and Arabs alike. All right, Mr. Prime Minister, we're out of time. Thanks so much for being with us. Israelis were forced into bombing. It's been five days since Hamas brazenly fired rockets at Jerusalem and other Israeli cities in a totally unprovoked attack. This past week, millions of Israelis were forced into bomb shelters as missiles rained down on our cities. Several Israelis have been killed. Many more have been wounded. You know and I know 
No country will tolerate this. Israel will not tolerate this. Israel has responded forcefully to these attacks, and we will continue to respond forcefully until the security of our people is reinstated and restored. We've eliminated dozens of Hamas terrorists and taken out hundreds of terrorist sites, including missile launchers and buildings that Hamas used to plan and perpetrate these attacks. Two nights ago, Israel also seriously degraded the terror infrastructure of Hamas. We knocked out part of the vast subterranean tunnel network that Hamas uses to attack Israel. I want to remind the world that in firing on our cities, Hamas is committing a double war crime. They're targeting our civilians and hiding behind Palestinian civilians, effectively using them as human shields. As always, Israel is doing everything possible to protect our civilians and keep Palestinian civilians out of harm's way. We demonstrated this yet again today when we warned civilians to vacate the building used by the Hamas terror intelligence. They vacated the premises before the target was destroyed, and that's why you don't hear of casualties from these collapsing terror towers, because we take special care to avoid these civilian casualties, exactly the opposite of Hamas. Defeating Hamas does not only serve Israel's interest, it serves the interests of all those who seek peace, stability, security in the Middle East. I want to thank Israel's many friends in the international community who have strongly backed Israel's action in defending ourselves. I want to thank the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and I want to thank the many countries, including European countries, that flew the Israeli flag in solidarity on their government buildings. No one should have any equivocation about uh, the choice that is so clear here. And I want to thank President Biden for his clear and unequivocal support. You cannot equate a democracy that values life with a terror organization that glorifies death. I also want to say a word about the violence we've seen in recent days within Israeli towns, from Lot to Batyam, from Akko to Haifa. The Jewish state will not tolerate pogroms against our citizens. We will not allow our Jewish citizens to be lynched or to live in fear of murderous Arab gangs. We will not tolerate the torching of synagogues and the torching of property. At the same time, we will not allow Jews to take the law into their own hands and attack innocent Arabs or lynch an innocent Arab. There was one such case, such effort. We won't allow these attacks on innocent civilians, Arabs and Jews alike. To tolerate this unacceptable vigilantism and violence is to pave a way to anarchy. Israel is the Jewish and democratic state where all our citizens, Jews, Arabs, and everyone else are equal before the law and will receive equal protection from those who enforce the law. I am fully confident that Israel will be able to deal with these threats from without and these threats from within. I'm confident in our army. I'm confident in our police. And above all, I'm confident in the resolve and determination of the people of Israel. Just as we've always done, we will weather this storm and emerge stronger than ever. Thank you. The bombing continues in Israel. There are hundreds of casualties in Gaza. Let's get the latest word with Israeli journalist Tal Heinrich. Joins us live. Good morning. How are you? 
Good morning. Well, Israel has beat the coronavirus, right? But it has different different challenges right now to fight. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. What is it? About 4 p.m. where you are now. Uh, how, has things ramped up? Have they calmed down a little bit? How are uh, how are things on the ground right now? Well, uh, I am based in New York right now, but I just returned from Israel uh, two weeks ago. Uh, everything changed over the course of, of two weeks, as you can imagine. You know, throughout the entire weekend, uh, Hamas continued to fire missiles towards Israeli territory every time, challenging the missile defense system even more. The Iron Dome, a, the IDF, the Israeli military, just said that in the last 12 hours, over 140 rockets were fired from Gaza. I just read that another Israeli civilian was killed, so the death toll continues to rise. I think that we are talking about 10 casualties so far on Israel's side since the beginning of this round of uh, escalation. As uh, you said, uh, the IDF continues to operate in Gaza, mainly from the air, um, you know, cracking down on Hamas and Islamic Jihad operatives. Thursday night saw a very successful attack for the Israeli military, and we could talk about it a bit deeper later. And uh, there was another interesting development that I think we should mention over the weekend. Friday saw clashes uh, again in, in the West Bank this time on another front uh, between Israeli security forces and uh, Palestinians. And think about it, Carl, this is what Hamas wishes to see. Another challenge to Israel on another front, but also something in the West Bank, as you know, is also undermining the stability of the Palestinian Authority there. Yeah. And if this is not challenging enough, you know, the domestic front has been uh, very, very challenging for Israel's military police and police because w whenever I talk to Israelis, and I should say Jews and Arabs alike, they describe to me that the uh, riots, the violence in mixed mm. Jewish-Arab towns like Acre, like Jaffa, like Lod and Haifa uh, is something that has been very difficult to deal with and tame. Sometimes it's, it's even scarier to them uh, or more concerning that the, the constant threat of the missiles that they are somewhat used to. Right. You know, and, and this is like the first major attack that Joe Biden has really had to deal with uh, on any type of global conflict here. I mean, we, we saw this wind down a little while. There's talk of a ceasefire, but there's always a ceasefire. And then it happens again. And then there's a ceasefire. And then it happens again. I mean, like, what, what, what's going on here? Is there any real possibility of actually putting this to bed? Uh, that's a good question. Well, the long term, of course, uh, we'll, we'll have we'll have to come up with a better solution, you know. But uh, it's it's the vicious cycle of, of violence in the Middle East and specifically in, in this region, Israel and the Palestinian uh, territories. But um, you know, regarding the Biden administration, of course, that the U.S. is uh, somewhat involved, as we're hearing from different reports behind the scenes in trying to de-escalate the situation. Also, there has have been some reports that Russia, the European Union, uh, even Egypt, and the UAE. Lean have been somewhat involved in talks behind the scenes. Uh, but as you know, Benjamin Netanyahu told the Israeli public just a few days ago that this operation will take some time and at the end Israel will regain its deterrence. Um, on the other hand, if we're talking about the Biden administration, I will tell you that they have been very supportive of Israel's right to defend itself by also buying Israel some time and leeway to operate and avoid international criticism by pushing the UN Security Council session to Sunday. So uh, we should wait and see uh, what will come out of this uh, session. But if you're thinking about that, uh, both sides, I will say, the Israeli and also Hamas, uh, have their winning images to present to their public. So, um, but you never know in the Middle East. You know, you you don't need uh, a. a 
somebody to intend a war for a war to actually erupt. Yeah, no, I spent, I spent nine years in and out of Iraq, so I, I, I completely get it. Now, th this is something, though, in the past, this is something that always kind of gets me is, you know, Israel's typically been blamed for responding to rocket attacks. They said, you know, oh, they're, they're, they're escalating the situation and things like that. But generation, this is not like this didn't happen in the last few years. This is a generational conflict. You know, what started this one this time? Uh, you will get many different answers from many people, but I tend to divide the causes into two different categories. You have the more imminent triggers that everyone was talking about. Everyone was, you know, talking about the uh, home ownership dispute in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood in East Jerusalem, but that is a legal dispute that also a case that has been in front of the Supreme Court for a while, and the court hearing was postponed. And then you had very viral TikTok videos of Palestinian youth uh, punching uh, Jewish Orthodox in Jerusalem. And that is something that has been brewing for a while. It led to protests and counter-protests and then clashes in uh, Jerusalem. And, of course, you have the, the bigger picture of, you know, the uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian president, postponing or rather canceling, I think we should call it this way, the Palestinian elections. And uh, you have Hamas that... Ha uh, regain its deterrence as this uh, powerful force that is also actively militarily acting against Israel, especially, um, you know, they were they were uh, humiliated by the UAE and, and, and Bahrain normalizing their ties with, with Israel and also by the arrangements that they had with the Trump administration uh, through Egypt and the money coming in from Qatar. So somewhat Hamas, you know, has gone low key uh, for several years. And now they have to show that the, they are this powerful force once again. Yeah. And uh, and you have instability, we should say, also on Israel's side, right. uh, which is something that Israel's enemies want to, you know, and sure. going back just uh, to the, you know, the, the bigger picture to the Biden administration, you have a new administration in the White House that is reversing Trump-era right. policies in the region that worked in favor of Israel in what is emboldening now Israel's enemies. I mean, it's it's, it's a shocking web of, of complicated things. Tal Heinrich, appreciate you joining us very much. Thank you. You know, it's clear that socialist Democrats in our nation's capital are attacking America's Judeo-Christian ethic. From Biden's bastardization of Catholicism to his party's embrace of anti-Semites, the Socialist Democrat Party is the home of hate in America. Joining me now to discuss, Professor Emeritus of Harvard Law School, author of the new book, The Case Against the New Censorship, and his previous offering, Guilt by Accusation, Professor Alan Dershowitz, also with us, the host and producer of The Catholic Current and author of the book, Real Philosophy for Real People, Tools for Truthful Living, Father Robert McTagg. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you here. Professor, we'll begin with you. You were ahead of everybody on this troubling development in the Democrat Party, uh, the embrace of openly anti-Semitic members in an effort to keep or expand their numbers. Ilhan Omar to Rashida M.F. Tlaib to AOC. As rockets are raining down on Israel, fired by terrorists in Hamas, the Democrats are cheering for Hamas. Your thoughts, sir? Well, many years ago, I wrote a book called The Case for Moral Clarity, in which I predicted this was going to happen. You have a situation of pure evil on one side, Hamas, double war crime, sending rockets aimed at Israeli civilians, children, from behind their own children. And I predicted this was going to keep happening as long as the international community, as long as the media encourages Hamas. The great villain of this piece is Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is basically encouraging Hamas to continue what it's doing. And the squad, 
and the New York Times. The New York Times, five op-eds in a row condemning Israel until finally today they allowed Brett Stevens to write a piece. And what this does is it sends a message to Hamas. Every few years, find an excuse, send rockets to Israel, kill Israeli children, Israel will respond. Don't worry. Sanders, the New York Times, the left of the Democratic Party, the international community, the International Criminal Court, the U.N., will condemn Israel, and you will win. So do it again and again and again. That's what's going to keep happening. Father McTague, I want to talk with you about, as a practicing Catholic, I call Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and John Kerry, and others like them, I call them fake Catholics. Not only do they promote, fund, and enable abortion, they attack groups like the Little Sisters of the Poor, trying to force the Little Sisters to violate their deeply held religious beliefs. Now the Biden administration has just doctors and hospitals to perform gender transition procedures. It's hard to imagine a party that holds more contempt for, for our religion than does Socialist Democrats. Am I wrong? Well, you know, maybe the Chinese Communist Party might give them a run for their money, but certainly in, in the United States, it's hard for me to reconcile what I know about what the church has always taught and what's embraced by uh, your, your common political parties th these days. It's irreconcilable, not only in terms of faith and revelation, but also in terms of the use of human reason. The Catholic Church has always been a great champion of the use of right reason. And a lot of the policies that you've referred to, a lot of the politicians you refer to, are completely at odds with what is obvious to human reason and certainly irreconcilable with, with so much of Catholic revelation. Professor, I'm going to turn back to what's going on with this current back and forth between Hamas and Israel. Uh, actress and star uh, of Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, uh, she is, uh, of course, from Israel. She called for peace amid the Israel-Hamas violence, but her call for peace was condemned yet again by pro-terrorist reprobates in the U.S. and around the globe. When a message of peace is decried in this way, what does it reveal about the nature of the reprobates who would shame someone like Gal Gadot? Well, it's, uh, it reveals a great deal, but it also reveals a great deal about the uh, Internet. Uh, you have President Trump, who would like to get on Twitter now to defend Israel, as he has so articulately. But he's banned, because what he says isn't the truth. But look what the Internet allows up. All these attacks on Gal Gadot, uh, one attack from uh, a, a, a person from Pakistan, an actress, who says, oh, Hitler killed six million Jews and he only kept the others alive. So... We know why he had to kill the Jews. Another one saying, I'm the new Hitler. Um, I'm supporting the Palestinians. Another one, Israel is in a real state. And when uh, Twitter wow. keeps those after taking down Trump, it's basically saying, we think that's the truth. We think that's the truth. Because if it wasn't the truth, we'd have to take it down the way we took down Trump. So you get inadvertently, you get the social media supporting Hamas, the New York Times supporting Hamas, and it sends a very powerful message. Do it again. Kill children. You know, kill civilians, attack, 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 commit war crimes. You'll prevail on this because of the anti-Semitism that stimulates so much of this. And you can be a Jew and an anti-Semite. Uh, you know, Kirk Biden uh, has made some strong statements uh, positively, and I commend him for that. But Bernie Sanders, who's Jewish, is a self-hating Jew, a self-hating Jew who is willing to see Israel be defeated militarily by a terrorist group because he's on the hard left and he has to follow the hard left. And that's what he has been doing. 
Father McJake, last thing I want to talk with you about is prompted by feedback from their priests and the laity. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is considering denying fake Catholics like Joe Biden, John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi, Holy Communion, which for you non-Catholics out there, we Catholics believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. If the bishops do not act, don't they risk undermining their teaching authority to devout Catholics in the United States? I think they would be at pains to explain why they're not enforcing uh, the canon law, canon 915. When someone is a public sinner who is at, obviously at variance with the fundamental teaching of the Church, that life begins, uh, exception is made in the image and likeness of God, life is sacred from, uh, from conception to natural death. When you're publicly at odds with that, enthusiastically, at odds with that. When you vote against the Born Alive Protection Act, that causes scandal among the faithful. If there's a good reason not to apply the law, I haven't heard it yet. I'll be very keen to hear what, what the bishops have to say in June. Me too. Father Robert McTague and Alan Dershowitz, gentlemen, it is a pleasure speaking with you as always. Hey, I'm Robert. I cannot. Biden reinforces the false idea that Palestinians instigated this cycle of violence. Of course they instigated this cycle of violence. Are you insane? I cannot watch that footage and see a fair fight. Who's firing the rockets? What they are doing to the Palestinians! They don't hate America because they hate Israel. They hate Israel because they hate America. The left willingness to cover for actual honest-to-God terrorist groups is astonishing to me. It really is an amazing thing. Hamas makes no bones about the fact that they wish to wipe out every Jew. Okay, this is not a conflict over land. This is not a conflict over borders. This is not a. Con you have one group that wishes to kill everyone of a particular group and one group that wishes to live. Therefore, they are being very inconvenient in that they are not willingly dying. There have been times in the past where Jews were quite soft in their own defense. It didn't end well for them. That's never going to happen again. That's why the state of Israel exists, and people are angry that the state of Israel exists. And so you have to come up with all sorts of bizarre justifications for why Israel is not right to defend itself here. Fortunately, we have Congress people, sitting Congress people, who are full on in uh, on this sort of stuff. So, for example, you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez openly defending Hamas. Right? This genius. So Joe Biden said that Israel has a right to defend itself, which, by the way, isn't it kind of amazing that you have to actually say that? Israel, which is a sovereign country, has the right to defend itself? What would the converse be? It doesn't have the right to defend itself? Of course it has the right to defend itself. You know what would happen if there were a terrorist group, or, say, the government of Mexico, which is actually what is going on. Hamas is the government of the Gaza Strip. What if the government of Mexico were firing hundreds of rockets into San Diego? Do you know how long that government would last? Zero days. We would be planting the American flag in Mexico City immediately. Yeah, this notion that Israel is supposed to sit around and bear this sort of stuff is insane. So Biden says Israel has a right to defend itself, which is like the mildest form of, okay, Israel can kill a few Hamas leaders. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez then tweets out, blanket statements like these. Blanket statements? What state doesn't have the right to defend itself? Blanket statements like these with little context or acknowledgement of what precipitated the cycle of violence, namely the expulsions of Palestinians and attacks on Al-Aqsa, dehumanize Palestinians and imply the U.S. will look the other way at human rights violations. It's wrong. So it's wrong for her, for the Jewish state to defend itself. He's saying that Israel doesn't have a right to defend itself from ongoing consistent rocket attacks directed at civilians? Okay, that's... There's a point where being anti-Israel shifts over into being anti-Semitic. 
Okay, and at the point where you are saying that the Jewish state doesn't have the same rights as any other state on planet Earth, you have reached this point. Okay, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez tweeted out by only stepping in to name Hamas's actions, which are condemnable, and refusing to acknowledge the rights of Palestinians, Biden reinforces the false idea that Palestinians instigated this cycle of violence. Of course they instigated this cycle of violence. Are you insane? Who's firing the rockets? Who started the riots at Al-Aqsa? Okay, that is a lie to say that the Israelis started the riots at Al-Aqsa. It is not true. It is an overt lie. She says this is not neutral language. It takes a side, the side of occupation. She's an ignoramus and she's a fool. Okay, and that is perfectly clear. But so, but you know, I will attribute to, I will attribute ignorance to her. I will attribute malice to Rashida Tlaib. So Rashida Tlaib is just a malicious pro-terror liar. So here's Rashida Tlaib at a rally yesterday promoting the, the leftist idea, the international leftist idea, that the subjugated of the world are all in solidarity with one another, and that the true story of humanity is white people all over, and she, she counts Jews with whites, white people all over who are subjugating brown people all over. This is something that Jamal Bowman, who's standing right next to Rashida Tlaib when, when she says this, also is putting out there. It's the reason why Black Lives Matter has in, has in its manifesto, in its program, and the Israeli occupation. And because there's a lie that is out there, going all the way back to Franz Fanon, that basically anybody who has a European way of life is an oppressor, and anybody else is not an oppressor, they are the victimized, and so the oppressed of the world have to rise up in anti-colonialist fashion, right? That's what this language is. So here's Rashida Tlaib suggesting that what the, what the Israelis are quote-unquote doing to the Palestinians is what the police do to black and brown people. I assume that's what she means by they, because if she doesn't mean the police by they, if she doesn't mean two separate terms by they, as you will see, then she's just talking about the Jews, and that's just pure anti-Semitism. So here's Rashida Tlaib suggesting somehow a connection between police treatment of black and brown people in the United States, which, again, she lies about, to Israeli treatment of Palestinians. So there are a few things that are wrong with this. One, the police in the United States are not systemically racist. Put that aside. Number two, the Israelis are not white. Okay, this, this, this bizarre notion that the Israelis are white ignores the fact that, like, half of Israelis, more than half of Israelis, by percentage, are from Arabic countries. Okay, the, the Jews who have been killed in Israel, there's some from Yemen, there's some from Morocco. There, there, there are plenty of Jews who are not white. Okay, and, and Jews, technically speaking, uh, were not white until like the last five minutes when they became prominent in, in American politics. Until then, they were considered an outgroup. Okay, but here's Rashida Tlaib pushing this vile nonsense, this vile racially polarizing nonsense, and by the way, pro-Hamas nonsense, because she has nary a word to say about Hamas firing rockets indiscriminately into civilian population centers and using human shields in order to protect themselves. Our freedom is interconnected with black, brown, indigenous, and it's connected. What they are doing to the Palestinian people is what they continue to do to our black brothers and sisters here. To me, I think they really love So I want you to know this. If you are marching for freedom of Palestine, please know that you must be marching for everybody's freedom. And it's all interconnected. It's all interconnected, you see. This is how you grow this movement. But by the way, it is. For the left, you, so you, wonder, you wonder about the red, what they, people have termed the red-green alliance, meaning the, the sort of communist, you know, red-red Islamist alliance. The answer is they're aimed at tearing down American institutions, tearing down Western institutions. Israel is seen as an extension of that. They don't hate America because they hate Israel. They hate Israel because they hate America. I mean, this is the, the basic notion that Rashida Tlaib is connecting the institutions of the United States with what's going on in Israel, in order to conflate all of that, you have to acknowledge that what she's really attempting to do is condemn all of the systems of the West because there is some supposed underclass that is being repressed by these systems. 
And so she'll make excuses for any level of violence in the same way that members of the radical Democratic Party make excuses for people burning down cities and murdering people. In the end, they make excuses for Hamas firing rockets indiscriminately into civilian areas. Now again, this is all anti-factual. Sumia Santosh is a 32-year-old Indian woman who, in order to care for her 9-year-old, found work in Ashkelon caring for an 8-year-old woman. And uh, she was blown up by Hamas, like yesterday. 19-year-old Yehuda Gueda from Libya was shot and killed earlier this week by Muntasser Shalabi, who was motivated, according to his neighbors, by equal parts Jew hatred and heavy gambling deaths. Deaths. According to Tablet Mag, the, the basic attempt to conflate American racial politics with intellectually dishonest, but has terrible motivations. And this is, by the way, why you are seeing Jews getting beat up in different places in the United States. Yesterday in Florida, there was a truck that was driving around to Jewish rallies saying Hitler was right. And the conflation between anti-Zionism and, Zionism and anti-Semitism, not everybody who doesn't like Israel is an anti-Semite, but every anti-Semite is anti-Israel. Okay, so it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty incredible to see these narratives trotted out. Uh, perhaps the dumbest narrative, of course, is the narrative trotted out by Trevor Noah. So yesterday, Trevor Noah literally said that Israel should stop defending itself because they're too good at defending themselves. Just personally, I cannot watch that footage and hear those numbers and see a fair fight. Like, set aside motives and intentions and just look at technology, technology alone. Israel has one of the most powerful militaries in the world. And I know that people are going to hate me for this, but I just want to ask an honest question here. If you are in a fight where the other person cannot beat you, how hard should you retaliate when they try to hurt you? Um, as hard as you need to to make them stop hurting you. Also, by hurt you, I think that he is making a, a pretty significant category error here. There's a difference between a child trying to physically harm me and a terrorist group firing rockets at people and murdering them. The answer is, as much as you need to do to stop Hamas's capacity to commit terror attacks. But I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, because the entire American left has also decided that if a black girl swings a knife at another black girl, the cops shouldn't shoot her because of power imbalance or some such nonsense. None of this is shocking. It's just morally blind. And moral blindness is the name of the game when it comes to the American and international left. The battle for the culture is heating up. We here at The Daily Wire are... Tonight, I'll be eating a pork bun meat with extra jalapeno. Yeah, we about to get spicy for this virtual day. Spicy like the pajama pants. Hey, the camera's are staying up here. This is not the second day. Continue with our normal videos as we play Israeli stuff. Colorado House Republicans today voted in New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik to replace Liz Cheney as Republican Conference Chair. And joining us now with her reaction is Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. 
All right, a big week in the Republican caucus. Tell us why you think Elise Stefanik is the right choice for the conference chair. Well, I certainly uh, look forward to Elise's leadership um, as conference chair. Uh, it, it, it's a big role, and um, I think in this role um, there's a lot of growth that will take place. And it, it's so much more than just looking out for your district. Now um, th this is a larger role to speak on behalf of the party, on behalf of 75 million voters out there who feel very disenfranchised right now. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to see uh, what comes from that. But really when I go back home, um, there, there's not a lot of folks who are, are asking who's on the conference dais of the Republican Party. They ask us who's leading on the issue. And I, I'm proud to stand with so many of my friends in the Freedom Caucus, like Her uh, Chairman Andy Biggs, who's leading on the southern border issue. And then, of course, uh, my friend Congressman Chip Roy, who's leading on the energy issue, which is a big deal right now in America. And even my friend Thomas Massey, who co-chairs the Second Amendment Caucus, leading on Second Amendment issues here in America. Absolutely. Now, Congresswoman, you know, Elise Stefanik obviously been very influential helping get more women elected to Congress on the Republican side of the aisle. Uh, she had the backing of President Trump, largely in part due to her staunch support of President Trump in the midst of that impeachment, not just the first one, but also the second one. Talk to us a little bit about how important President Trump will be in our effort to take back that midterm and also um, as far as the primaries go, uh, as we look in places like Ohio, North Carolina, Georgia, Georgia uh, and Florida, where we're definitely going to make sure uh, that we're actually protecting our, our leads and also making sure that we're actually getting other things done uh, to have that Republican majority. Look, President Trump's the man. Uh, uh, they may have got him out of the Oval Office, but really he has gone uh, nowhere. Uh, he is here in the Republican Party, and it shows that he is a very strong influence here in the Republican Party still. What he says goes. And uh, for those who would try to uh, take him down and go against what, uh, what his policies are, um, that's what we're trying to get away from. Uh, so I, I hope that uh, our, our voting records can line up to President Trump and his policies, because that's what the American voters uh, 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 voted for uh, in, in the 2020 election. There's 75 million people who were championing those policies. So the Republican Party really needs to look at that and not turn away from those policies and try to find a different direction to go. Congresswoman, I want to shift gears now to the Colonial Pipeline, uh, the cyber attack on it. According to reports, Washington, D.C. is nearly out of gas. Uh, this comes as North Carolina, Virginia, almost in the same boat as well. One of the most disturbing parts about this whole Colonial Pipeline uh, story to me is that the ransom was paid to this dark side group. President Biden, however, refused to answer a reporter's question whether he knew about it. How dangerous of a precedent is this setting for our country when we have bad actors who are now knowing that they can get paid off if they mess with our country? Uh, well, that is exactly the problem right now. We have just shown that we have weak leadership and uh, that they can get away with this kind of stuff. These hackers wouldn't have dared attack America's infrastructure under President Trump. Weak leadership invites them to do this and, and, and see what they can do and what they can get away with. And everyday Americans are paying the price, literally, at the pump, if it's even available at the pump. It's absurd that m the most powerful country on the planet has a gas shortage because one pipeline was hacked. We sure could use a backup like, let's say, the Keystone XL pipeline. And too bad the Biden regime and their America last policies canceled that project and weakened America in the process. 
Along with Congressman Chip Roy, I'm leading the charge to fight back. One of my first acts in Congress was to introduce the Protecting American Energy Jobs Act, which would nullify Biden's energy-killing Green New Deal executive orders and restore American energy dominance. Biden took away your gasoline, and now Pelosi is trying to take away your voice by not allowing a vote on my bill on the House floor. So Chip Roy and I are gathering signatures for a discharge petition to force this bill to the House floor for a vote because the American people deserve to know where their representatives stand on supporting America's energy made by American workers. I think to that point, you talk about the precipitous decline in American leadership, the vacuum there. It appears that we are asleep at the wheel, not just on foreign policy, but even just answering basic questions. Uh, President Biden telling the press he's not supposed to answer. Take a listen. You guys are bad. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, but I can't resist your questions. I mean, what's going on there? I mean, clearly he was joking in that instance, but there are several times that it's clearly not a joking matter when you talk about what's happening uh, in Israel with our strongest ally for peace in the region, when you talk about what's happening uh, with Russia, uh, with a, a group of foreign hackers that apparently have flown under the radar from the Kremlin, uh, which defies all logic. What is the importance of us making sure that we have strong American leadership in the times of, of now with an impatient world? Strong American leadership is the most important aspect right now, uh, and we are severely lacking in that. Uh, we knew that this was coming. We were warning people uh, not to vote for Joe Biden because he, he campaigned from the basement. How, how do you think that he's going to uh, govern America from his basement? Uh, he's not allowed to speak to reporters and answer their questions, and he can just have um, off-the-cuff uh, snide comment or just... just uh, fly comments instead of actually answering what's going on and uh, addressing the crisis like the Russian hackers or the border crisis or, of course, what's happening in Israel, our greatest ally. And, you know, with when I hear about state-sponsored terrorism, I think of crazy politicians with suicide belts strapped to their waist over in Iran. But unfortunately, we see this all over right here in the United States of America. We have politicians that support terrorism in the U.S. Congress. Ilhan Omar, a full-time propagandist for Hamas, has used her Twitter to promote violence uh, against one of our closest allies in Israel. After Hamas has fired over a thousand rockets at Israel, uh, but the left gets outraged when Israel defends itself. This is uh, completely bizarre. Everything is backwards. Uh, wrong is, is right and evil is good in their eyes. Israel, like other countries, has the right to self-defense and it's anti-Semitic and disgusting to suggest otherwise. Congresswoman Bober, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you speaking up. Thank you so much. Meg, you know what your workout means? Potatoes. Oh, Meg. Welcome to the Garcelle Sato Show here on Newsmax TV. We all remember the immortal words of Obama's consigliere, Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. Now, many leftists live by this code. Most of us find the prospect of advancing our political ideology, using the suffering of others as disgraceful, morally repugnant, and exploitative. Sadly, our political enemies have no such prompting of the conscience. Left-wingers see opportunity in your suffering. We provide proof in tonight's preamble. Yesterday, in an apparent politically timed announcement, the CDC relaxed guidance on wearing masks outdoors. As is typical with slow and mindless government, it hadn't reached the ears of the CDC bureaucracy that many Americans had already ditched the masks while outdoors months ago. 
Americans did this because, well, we could read. The common sense of the American people was vindicated in a recent New York Times piece that revealed that researchers could find no case of the China virus being spread by people walking past each other outdoors or sitting at an adjacent outdoor table. But to watch left-wingers on TV in the White House, you'd have thought we were all waiting around for the often wrong CDC to let us know that we could undertake good old-fashioned common sense. Not one freedom-loving American was waiting. Now, many Republicans are questioning the timing of this good news. As Biden's feckless and anti-American policies take hold, causing one crisis after another. Many political watchers recognize that Biden's crew were desperate for a distraction. A distraction that the complicit press would swallow hook, line, and sinker. Here's MSNBC's medical contributor, Vin Gupta. He claims that since the CDC relaxed its mask mandates, this could be a bridge to something else. They need concrete plans so that, so they know what to do, what not to do. So I think this is going to provide some momentum for mandates across certain segments of society, especially universities. You see the U.S. military, probably some trade associations like small, medium businesses that, uh, in the restaurant industry are going to move towards this because it's cost effective to say, let's create a vaccine bubble. That's obviously going to be controversial. Secondarily, you're seeing friction entering into the system in places like California. Their, uh, California's Occupational Health and Safety Administration said, if you're not going to get vaccinated in a workplace setting and we're going to check it, you're going to wear an N95 and you're going to get tested weekly. That's friction. That would make me want to get the vaccine. So uh, trend lines to really follow her closely. Okay. So we should exchange the guidance from the CDC for mandates. How fun is that? We've made some observations as America has struggled through this pandemic, struggled to regain the freedom that was wrongly taken from us as we've cleared every hurdle. After every hurdle, there's always been a left winger on the other side of that hurdle wanting to throw another obstacle in our way. Nicole Wallace, who must be related to, in some way to Chris Wallace, they certainly think alike, responded to Dr. Gupta with her own special brand of witless totalitarianism. Dr. Gupta, can I just press you on that? I mean, why is it controversial for, I mean, I understand, you know, a right to privacy and a right to freedom, but I don't have a right to go to my workplace unvaccinated. I don't have a right to send my kid to school without testing him to make sure he doesn't become a vector for disease. I mean, why, has this debate gone too far in the, I mean, people, sure, you can do what you want, but it doesn't mean you get to go on with your pre-pandemic life if you're not willing to carry your burden in society. What? Excuse me? Oh, she understands rights. She understands freedom, but she really doesn't give a damn about them. And despite constitutional protections, not to mention HIPAA laws, Nicole says that to get your freedom back, you must carry your burden of society and get a shot. Now, right now, there are a number of jobs, a million, I think. Employers can't find workers now. Now, Nicole Wallace says, okay, the debate's over. You can go back to work. You can, you can get your life back. Well, you can do it as long as you do your civic duty. But funny, I don't recall that being discussed by our founding fathers in the Constitutional Convention. I, I don't remember that part of the Bill of Rights that made our protections from government absolute, unless, unless there was a pandemic. Here's another way to look at this. Who would you place your trust in? Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison, or MSNBS's mindless twit, Nicole Wallace? And that brings us back to someone who couldn't be farther away from our founding fathers. Well, he, he might be old enough 
to have known some of them, but <laughs> he's not in the same universe when it comes to knowing, articulating, and implementing our founding American principles. After the convenient announcement by the CDC, Joe Biden revealed his position on how Americans should regard the virus going forward. Biden tweeted, it is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. Now, there's a lot going on in that tweet. First, Mr. Biden is pretending that his newly minted rule has any force of law behind it. Now, he either believes it or he's hoping you're stupid enough to believe it. Mr. Biden also implies that he has now given us a choice. We can either get a shot or wear a mask. The truth is, we've always had a choice. There is no constitutional law that requires mask wearing or that vaccines are mandatory. Lastly, I pose this question to the occupier of the Oval Office. You say the rule is now simple. Well, that's all well and good. But just how do you plan on enforcing your little rule? Hey, Your name is Joe Biden, not Joe Stalin. This guy is carried away with power that he doesn't have. But watch this. For now, after a year of hard work and so much sacrifice, the rule is very simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The rule is very simple. Just remember, Joe Biden didn't follow that rule. Ever. Take a look at this picture. Joe Biden, unmasked, unvaccinated, in November of 2020, hugging his family, who had just flown in from all over the country to see him uh, celebrate his election <clears throat> victory. Anyway, when Joe puts out a tweet like this, it's offensive. He has no place saying stuff like this. The rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. This is a free country. The CDC actually said, this is guidance, Joe. We can make our own decisions. As much as you like to pretend, to pretend that you're some sort of emperor, it does not quite work that way. Hey, remember this, by the way, Joe, because if we were to follow you and your guidance and your edicts strictly, we'd be in big trouble. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Neanderthal thinking. Neanderthal thinking to take off the mask before everybody was vaccinated. That's back in March. Well, not everybody is vaccinated. So, of course, he's all over the place on this. And his own conduct has been pretty interesting. Again, hugging that family, hugging and kissing. And they all flew in from all over the country. Can't take this guy seriously. If only he were, well, if only he knew what he was doing. And you know what would have been nice at some point in this administration? A real, true, robust acknowledgement of Donald Trump. And since no one is doing it in the Biden administration, good for Donald Trump for doing it himself. A classic statement from the 45th president of the United States. Let's go ahead and put it up. Isn't it incredible that because of the vaccines, which I and my administration came up with years ahead of schedule, that we no longer need masks, and yet our names are not even mentioned in what everybody is calling the modern-day miracle of the vaccines? Damn right, Mr. President. Also, just a mention, please, <laughs> the Biden administration had zero to do with it. All they did was continue our plan of distribution, which was working well right from the beginning. You know, some of us are wondering what 
don't know, some ulterior motive for Joe Biden suddenly pushing this thing, no more masks, from a guy who wore a mask during an international conference call last week? Could it be that the border is out of control still? It's a crisis that they deny? I don't know. I think those are good questions. Meanwhile, school, school year is not happening. The teachers' union, successful in keeping their teachers out of school for the entire school year. A lot of money on the table. They always got paid, and I think they wanted to make it to the summer so they could have that off. No school, summer, and now um, she's saying that we're going to have it in September. This is Randy Weinkarten of the American Federations of Teachers. Bottom line, though, without full vaccinations, is this semester, is this school year probably not going to have full school openings? Well, so let me, I'm glad you asked that question, um, uh, Chuck, because what does full school opening mean? <laughs> full school opening means full school opening. They didn't want it. They wanted the time off. They wanted the money. It's kind of like um, Thanksgiving. You know, when you have Thanksgiving off, nobody wants to go to work on Friday. And uh, it's kind of like that. Can they milk this thing through the end of June? And yes, they have, and that means the summer is off. And uh, But this time they're serious. They really want to get back to school in the fall. I am not so sure, but this is what they're saying. We can make every public school a place where parents want to send their children, where educators want to work, and where students thrive. Given current circumstances, nothing should stand in the way of fully reopening our public schools this fall and keeping them open. Of course, it's not risk-free. But we can manage the threat by encouraging people to get vaccines and following guidance from the CDC that prevents the spread of the disease. Laying it on a bit thick there, right? By the way, what's up with these side angles, huh? You ever notice they're doing these side angles, like somehow that makes it more interesting, right? If you mix it up every now and then. I don't know. Uh, I see that from the Biden administration as well. This has had such a corrosive effect, all this COVID stuff on society. Uh, people, a lot of them, sometimes I feel it myself, <laughs> don't really want to go back to the office. Uh, we have developed some new and not so great habits. Watching a lot of TV, some of our diets have gone to pot, all kinds of things going on. Pointed out, mentioned by the Wall Street Journal, this is a really difficult uh, moment. It is impossible, Daniel Henninger writes, not to be struck by how many employers say that former and prospective employees after a year of forced unemployment simply will not work. Goes on, the authorities built COVID into a 12-month monster, so people naturally sought respite and distractions from the monster. I believe the pandemic accelerated the transition evident for years, away from the basic concept of daily work and toward an emerging idea that life is less about work and more about play. Big time, big time. And Netflix made it easy. And you know what? Especially here in New York and other places, I'm told, marijuana. People have been trying that stuff who weren't initially doing it. And a lot of us are more checked out than ever before. And you know who was warning about this from the earliest stages? President Trump. Ultimately, I'm always right. 
we can't keep this country closed. This is a massive country with a massive economy. People are losing their jobs. They're committing suicide. There's depression, alcohol, drugs at a level that nobody's ever seen before. There's abuse, tremendous abuse. We have to open our country. And he warned throughout that the longer this lasts, addiction, loneliness, suicide, it's real. And some of that happened. And it's still happening. He was right. And that was leadership. Good news as well as the bad. We'll be right back. Apple will somehow... We do believe that vaccinated. We do believe that vaccinated people are much safer when they're wearing those masks indoors. If you are fully vaccinated, you can shed your mask. You knew this months ago. Months ago, they were all lying to you. You can take off your mask if you're vaccinated. Well, who's been telling you that for months on end? Hmm? Who's been saying that? But every time we have said that for months on end, we have worried that YouTube will take down our videos, or that Apple will somehow censor us, or that Facebook will hit us with a fact check. Why? Well, because your public health experts have been lying to you. See, here is the thing, and this has been a thing throughout the pandemic. Science is a process. Science is rooted in data. It's rooted in hypotheses, which are then either falsified or held up by the data. Science is not, in fact, a group of, quote-unquote, tough scientists. Okay, it is not a, it's not an institution. Science is not Anthony Fauci. Science is not Rochelle Walensky. Science is not any of these jokers. Science is a process of verifying truth or falsity. And so those of us who have been looking at the data all along knew that once you are vaccinated and you are two weeks past your final vaccination, you don't need to wear a mask anymore. In fact, in these very offices, I was very into masking because I didn't want to infect my parents. I was very into masking up until the point at which they got vaccinated and I got vaccinated. And at that point, I said to everyone in the offices, if you don't want to wear a mask and you have the option to get vaccinated, if you choose not to get vaccinated, that's a you problem. If you choose to wear a mask, that's a you problem. Once you're vaccinated, you don't have to care. I've been saying this for months. You know why? Because I read the studies. You know why? Because I followed the data. You know why? Because I didn't listen to the dullards in the public health establishment who have been infected with politics. We were told for a year that Donald Trump infused all of his COVID response with politics. And they pointed to his supposed pressure on the CDC, which the CDC denied. And they pointed to his so-called pressure on Anthony Fauci with Fauci, which Fauci denied. And then Joe Biden came into office. And the, the entire public health establishment just started mirroring whatever Joe Biden wanted politically. They started going soft on whether schools should reopen, even though the data said that schools should be open. They started suggesting that vaccines weren't all that effective. They started suggesting that workplaces should continue to socially distance even after people have been vaccinated. Joe Biden was appearing publicly 20,000 feet away from anybody outdoors, and he was still masking. Kamala Harris was kissing her husband on tarmacs through a mask, even though both of them had been vaccinated. None of this was in compliance with science. All of it was politically driven bullcrap. Because as I said, the goal of the Biden administration was to gin up a feeling of panic and, un and unease and unrest so that they could foster all of this massive government growth. The idea was that if we are in the middle of a crisis, then we still need more government. And that, of course, was using every crisis as an opportunity. And if the crisis was already on the wane, as it has been for months, then you just manufacture a feeling of crisis. Okay, so yesterday, the public health experts decided, based on no new data, none, that everything I've been saying for the past several months is correct. Okay, now, it's very important to note here the timing. Again, all of this data has been widely available for months. It's been available since February and March. And we have known since even before then that if you had COVID and you had developed antibodies to COVID, 
You were not going to infect anyone. And yet everybody was busy screaming at Rand Paul, suggesting that if Rand Paul stripped off his mask, he was going to infect people. That was not true. And Rand Paul happened to be correct about that. I know because I was talking to people who are actual epidemiologists. I was talking to people who are actual doctors like Dr. Marty McCary over at Johns Hopkins University. And yet we were told by the public health experts, the institutional know-it-alls, that you had to listen to them even if what they were saying was not in consonance with the science. This is what happens when you have an idol-worshipping society, when people have determined that there are people who know more than everybody else, and their expertise, this cult of expertise, has to be paid attention to, even when the experts are speaking not from their own expertise, but via politics. And you can tell, because experts are able to show their work. Experts are able to tell you why they think the things they do. Every day on this show, for months, we've been playing clips of Rochelle Walensky unable to explain her own policies. We've been playing clips for months of Fauci being unable to explain what the hell he's talking about. And then if you say that, then your social media betters shut you down because you're not speaking in consonance with the CDC. Well, the CDC was not speaking in consonance with science. How do we know? Because again, none of the data changed. They changed all their standards yesterday. And the reason they changed all their standards yesterday to tell people who were vaccinated that now finally they could unmask had nothing to do with science. It had nothing to do with data. It had to do with the fact that Joe Biden had a terrible couple of weeks politically. And inflation is starting to hit and hit really hard and not enough people are in the workforce. And Joe Biden has to encourage people to get back into the workforce because if we don't have enough people back in the workforce going back into their regular lives, it's spiral out of control. That's what this has to do with. Okay, so the White House's new announcement, sort of triumphal announcement, you can take off masks. What it really exposes is not that we beat COVID. We beat COVID months ago. What it really exposes is that so much of this has been politically driven and remains politically driven. And if you ask me for my outcome from this, who I trust and who I don't, I'll tell you who I trust. Big Pharma, who actually came up with the actual solution to this thing. I'll tell you who I don't trust. The government sources who lied to you every step of the way. And I don't mean that they made mistakes. Making mistakes is understandable. In the early days of the pandemic, there were a lot of mistakes made. Understandable. It was a novel coronavirus. We didn't know all that much about it. But then it became overt lying. And we've had overt lying for months on end. And that becomes clear when finally they tell the truth. Okay, so yesterday, the White House puts out an announcement via Twitter in the middle of the day. Big news from the CDC. If you're fully vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask, indoors or outdoors, in most settings. We've gotten this far. Whether you choose to get vaccinated or wear a mask, please protect yourself until we get to the finish line. Okay, so here's the thing. Even the CDC guidance is stupid because the CDC guidance says that if you're vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask if you go on a plane, for example. Why? Why? There's no reason for it. They say if you're on public transit, you still have to wear a mask. They say that if there are stores that ban you from coming inside without a mask, even if you're vaccinated, that that's perfectly okay as well. They say that if you're in a doctor's office, that you're supposed to still wear a mask, even if you're fully vaccinated. And this is all stupidity. Now, some of this is rooted in uh, another level of, of ideology, which is how do we tell who's vaccinated and who isn't? And if we remove the mask rules, then what if unvaccinated people take advantage of this to unmask along with the vaccinated people? And the answer is, if you are vaccinated, you should not care. Nancy Pelosi said that she is not going to change the rules on the House floor. She said, until everybody is vaccinated, I'm not going to change the rules on the House floor. Why? Everybody there has had the opportunity to be vaccinated. If they don't want to be vaccinated, that's a them problem. There's a small subgroup of people who do have a problem. That small subgroup of people are people who literally cannot get the vaccine. I'm not talking about it's unavailable to them because the vaccines are available to everybody at this point, even if you have to drive a little bit. Okay. The, the vaccines 
There are some people who can't get them for actual medical reasons. Okay, for those people, there are N95s available. For those people, there are masks available. They have to protect themselves. Understood. But the notion that the rest of society is supposed to continue masking up and not going to work is ridiculous. Okay, so even the CDC's current standards make no sense. But, again, the, the reason that I'm rather ticked off this morning is because the people who claim to speak in the name of the science never did. And now that they are speaking in the name of the science, they claim they were always speaking in the name of the science. So they're retconning history. They lied to you for months. Now they're telling you the truth. And because they're telling you the truth today, they're suggesting they were telling you the truth all along. And that is untrue. This is all politics. The experts are not interested in conveying you to you the data. They're not interested in conveying to you the science. They are interested in what gets Joe Biden where he needs to go. And if, they, and if Joe Biden was stuck in a sort of catch-22 where the COVID pandemic had to be extended in order for him to get his jollies in terms of policy, and then it turns out that his policy jollies were undercutting the health of the, the American economy and he was feeling the blowback, then he has to shift one or the other, right? Either he has to shift his policy or he has to shift the COVID pandemic talk or both. And that's exactly what you are seeing right now. This has nothing to do with science and everything to do with politics. Yesterday, Rochelle Walensky, who just three weeks ago, based on no data at all, was suggesting that doom was on the way. Rochelle Walensky, who less than a week ago was suggesting you needed to continue masking even if you'd been vaccinated. Despite all of the data, this public health expert, right, science as an institution versus science as a process, Rochelle Walensky, she says, you know what, now you can take off your mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. Once you are fully vaccinated, two weeks after your last dose, you can shed your mask. Okay, and then she says, you know what, you know what drove this? What drove this is science, of course. Now, here's the thing. Have there been any new studies? Nope, not a one. Not a one. You knew this months ago. Months ago. This is uh, precisely what I was uh, trying to, to get at with the, this, the director of the CDC, Dr. Walensky, when I spoke to her after. Um, so, and she, she was asked twice about this during the conference, once, once by Caitlin, and she sort of dodged it, saying, you know, there's going to be more guidance forthcoming on this. The science sort of, sort of applies still here. It still applies, right? The science is indoors, large gathering or small gathering. If everyone is vaccinated, uh, you don't need to wear masks. Okay, Sanjay Gupta, he said the science, the science, the science didn't change anything. Okay, the science has been known. It's been known. You know how I know that? Because I've been saying it for months. And every time you say, oh, you're a science denier. No, I'm a scientific institution denier. I don't believe that these quote-unquote institutions have a monopoly on the process of science, and they demonstrate their, their unverifiable nonsense every single day. It's incredible to me. Get the Amazon app and shop on the go. pisses me off that for months we were told that you were somehow putting people at risk when you were not. They, this administration undermined vaccines. This administration for months had Joe Biden out there telling you a week ago he was telling you it was patriotic to mask up after you and your friend were vaccinated. If you were sitting in close contact, you shouldn't be patriotic. He said that last week. And now, magically, you can take off the masks forever. And the answer is, had nothing to do with hesitancy. Yes, he undermined the American economy. Yes, he was lying to you. They were all lying to you. Okay, you'll remember that just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, there was a, a CDC masking chart that was put out, right? It was supposed to change the standards for what you can do if you're fully vaccinated. And it said that if you were outdoors 
you could unmask if you were fully vaccinated. And even if, the, and, and then they said that if you were fully vaccinated, you still had to wear a mask if you went to a crowded outdoor event like a live performance parade or sports event. And everything indoors you were supposed to mask. And you'll remember I went through this chart in detail. I went through every line of this chart and I said, everything on the right-hand side of this chart is a lie. Go back and watch the tape. Everything that says fully vaccinated people that you're not supposed to do, it's a lie. You can do all of these things and you don't need a mask for any of them. I said this two weeks ago. And then, and then we were so worried about social media that YouTube was going to give us like check marks and take down our videos because this is what social media does. It had nothing to do with facts. Okay, so here, here's the new CDC graphic, by the way. Oh, wait, it looks exactly like what I told them to do. Go back and look at the tape. I literally, I, honestly, we should pull the clip of me saying what this chart should look like versus what the chart now looks like. They are identical. Okay, it's, the whole thing is ridiculous on its face. It's ridiculous. So Anthony Fauci came out yesterday and he said, you know what? We have to get rid of restrictions so people can, get, like, can feel like they're getting back to normal. What? I, I have a question. Where is Anthony Fauci and what have you done with him? Where's the real Anthony Fauci? Where'd you get this imposter? Here's Anthony Fauci saying, maybe this will cause people to get vaccinated. This is the same administration that refused to acknowledge that you could go out and live life after getting vaccinated. This is the same administration that undermined vaccines by suggesting that we had to pause the J&J rollout because there were six cases out of six million people who had blood clots. And here's Anthony Fauci saying, you know, maybe, maybe this will encourage people to get vaccinated. You know, he's been saying this for months. Right here. He's got two thumbs and saying that. This guy, here's Anthony Fauci. What we're doing now with the relaxation of the restrictions on people who are vaccinated is trying to get back to a degree of normality, which people who get vaccinated deserve to have that. That's been normal. And one of the things that's been the concern, saying, if I get vaccinated, what difference is it going to make? My life hasn't really changed that much. Well, now your life is going to change that much. For people who are not vaccinated, this might be an incentive for them to get vaccinated. Okay, so it's amazing. Now he's saying what is scientifically true. So is he lying before or is he lying now? For the left, amazingly, they're saying he's lying now. The left is like, well, I don't even know why they're saying we should take off our masks. Maybe you should wear our masks forever. First of all, let me just say this. You are a sheep. You are a sheep if you are wearing a mask now. If you're wearing a mask and you've been vaccinated, it's because you're a sheep. There, there is, you're free, to, you're free to be a sheep. It's a free country, but you are. You're living life in fear for no reason. These vaccines are unbelievably effective. Even your own garbage administration is telling you that. Okay, but Anthony Fauci, I, I love this. The, the flip in time is just incredible. I mean, you, you could, you, you're getting whiplash here. Here's Anthony Fauci saying, you know, this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, we noticed. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's essentially over. I think this is a very important step in the direction of trying to get back to some degree of normality. Because normality. this is something that everyone has had on their mind. You know, I'm vaccinated. When can I start doing things a little bit more in the normal trend? And being able to go around without a mask indoors as well as outdoors is really a big step in that direction. So I wouldn't want to declare victory prematurely, but I'm saying this is clearly a step in the direction that we want to go. Unbelievable. By the way, how bad is the whiplash here? Here's how bad the whiplash was. Yesterday afternoon, they announced, the CDC announced, that if you had been vaccinated, you could take off your mask. Just before that, Joe Biden had had a meeting in the White House with the House Minority Leader and the House Majority Leader 
and the and the Speaker of the House and, and all the various leaders of the various parties. Everybody in the room had been vaccinated. And there's a picture going around of every single person in the room wearing a mask. And so a senior Biden advisor, Andy Slavitt, who's been wrong on three quarters of this stuff, Andy Slavitt, a COVID advisor to Biden, was asked, so why was Joe Biden masked? He is vaccinated. Everyone in the room is vaccinated. Here was Andy Slavitt's answer yesterday, yesterday morning, before the CDC announced that, by the way, you can take off the mask. I'm not sure that the president is the average uh, person. I, I personally think there's a lot of protections around the president. Why does he need lots of Secret Service agents? Why does he? Why do they, you know, belt and suspender everything with the president? Because he's a very important person. And I think you shouldn't take your, your mark just by what you see in the Oval Office. I think most people, if you're indoors around other people that are vaccinated, the CDC says it's okay. Um, and I think you should listen to the CDC on that. I mean, is that real? So basically he has no rationale whatsoever, but they were still promulgating this crap, knowing that it was crap, and then the CDC changed its standard later in the day. Again, all of this had to do with the fact that Joe Biden is a giant failure of a president, and because he's a failure of a president, he needs to declare early victory. Remember, the original date they were going to declare victory was July 4th. Why? Because they wanted the symbolic victory on July 4th, and because they were hoping that before July 4th they could ram through these trillions of dollars in spending. Then it turns up the inflation blew up. It turns out that... that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema weren't going to go along with it. And so Joe Biden had a choice. I can continue to foster this, this world-beating, giant-spending agenda and blow out the economy in the process. Or I can walk this thing back a little bit. And so he decided yesterday that it was time for a new news cycle. That's what this really is about. I'm talking about manipulation of science on behalf of politics. This is it. I hope you enjoyed that. Kathleen Wilson flashed her Vax card. She's fully vaccinated and going completely mask-free, both indoors and out, and doing it safely, according to the CDC's new guidance. It's like this is like a new rebirth for us. I'm so happy. I'm free. Not so fast. At a pro-vaccination event in East Orange featuring Governor Murphy and Essex County resident Whoopi Goldberg, the celebrity told Wilson, keep your mask on. So you're around people who have all been vaccinated? Put your mask on. <laughs> we're not running any popularity contests. We're, we're here to try to save as many lives as we can, keep as many people in the state healthy as we can. And so Murphy concurred only partially with the CDC's new guidance, saying, yes, fully vaccinated folks can safely remove their masks outdoors. But he would not ease New Jersey's indoor mask restrictions, CDC notwithstanding. Once we get to our 70% adults, plus the kids we're now vaccinating as of yesterday, plus the folks who have already had COVID-19, sooner than later, I would guess in a matter of weeks, we'll get to the point where we could comfortably say, you know what, inside, no matter what, you're okay. But I have to say, as of this moment in time, we are not there yet. New York's still reviewing the new CDC recommendations. Connecticut will remove mask requirements next Wednesday. States can set their own rules. We do suggest that local jurisdictions look at their own vaccination rates, look at the own case rates in their area because the country is not uniform with regard to both cases and vaccine scale up and to make some of those policies locally. But for the data have now demonstrated to us that it's safe for vaccinated people to take off their masks. The caseload over the course of the last week, the lack of hospitalizations or the decrease in hospitalizations, all really forced the hand of the CDC to make this decision, which I believe is the right decision. The health agency cited falling U.S. COVID caseloads and rising rates of highly effective vaccinations. But some health experts worried about how the public will react if no masks are required. What we're essentially saying is 
just take your mask off everybody. Right? If, we, if we can't require people to prove that they're vaccinated, to go into businesses, to go into schools, et cetera, I think that that's where the governor needs to step in and determine what sort of policies are going to be in place across the state. Murphy said he'd provide more information Monday and didn't want to make clerks and business owners have to police people's vaccination cards. Also, inequity continues to plague New Jersey's strong overall vaccination rate. Close to 3.8 million are totally vaccinated, but that includes too few people of color, and many feel reluctant to give up masks. And when we look at the numbers of people of color who are coming forward to get vaccinated, we don't like what the numbers say. Well, I took a vaccination, so I'm still going to wear the mask anyway, regardless. I respect the CDC. I appreciate their guidance. I still think that particularly in communities of color uh, that have been most impacted by this virus, that we need to still be cautious. But the governor's critics claim the indoor requirement is damaging business and ignoring science. That the Murphy administration continues to follow their bizarre anti-science, slow roll, uh, uh, paralyzing restrictions. It's just stupid. Some folks still feel uncomfortable removing their masks even outside. Meanwhile, the debate over mask rules indoors in New Jersey will doubtless intensify. In East Orange, I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. That's really ridiculous. How ridiculous is New Jersey? New Jersey's vaccine has been remarkable. Especially in Lakewood and Passaic, New Jersey. Honestly, I never wear, wear a mask in indoors places in New Jersey. New York, never. Because I had COVID. Governor Murphy. Lift the stupid mask mandate and just look at the science and stop listening to Dr. Fauci and just do it, please. Enough is enough. I get that you're, you're a horrible governor and you're horrible um, at, at, at your job. Also Cuomo. Cuomo did the same thing. He said, "We're gonna look back on. We're gonna look at look back on it on Monday." Why? Why? So that's it's basically. Meanwhile, let's talk about the border crisis with Biden. is skyrocketing, the conflict in the Middle East that may turn into a full-scale war, and the border crisis continues to spiral out of control. But our first guest is creating solutions to stop the surge of illegals flooding into our nation. He's introducing a new bill allowing local and state police to enforce immigration laws. Joining us to discuss is Republican Senator from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville. Senator, thank you so much for joining us today. Talk to us about what this legislation does. Well, you know, we've got a horde of people coming across, and it's a domino effect. People now see it on TV as uh, illegal immigrants coming across the border. It's, it's not our border anymore. It's the cartel's border. We've just given it up by administration, just 
gave it over to them. So, but now they're all moving north, and they're moving all over our country. ICE has been uh, hogtied, so to speak. The Biden administration cannot stand ICE. Uh, their detentions are down 66%. ICE is our immigration police across the country, not just the border. So now uh, we have to have somebody that's in charge of protecting the people in the rural counties, uh, the cities, all across our 50 states. And so without, without the actions of ICE, we need to empower our local and state law enforcement. And I think it would give them a great opportunity to be involved. Right now, they cannot do anything to illegal immigrants because ICE is in, under in control. But we need to give them the power to do this. Yeah, let's talk about that. But put it in context first. We wanted to show this to folks. Border Patrol agents in Del Rio, Texas, reporting alarming new numbers. Let's take a look. Apprehensions of illegal aliens are up 393% for the year, more than 97,000 in 2021 compared to just nearly 20,000 in all of uh, 2020. So obviously there's a, a, a rush and a flood of people coming across and you wanna be able to give uh, the border patrol agents some help. What would you like local law enforcement to be able to do? Well, just if they run into an illegal immigrant, they have the ability to to detain them, uh, to ask them what they're doing, uh, possibly uh, put them in, in jail, hold them a certain length of time. Because right now, if they find an illegal immigrant without being around uh, our ICE agents, they have no authority. And so without ICE and without the ability of the local and state law enforcement uh, having the rights to do something, they're going to be running free all over this country, and they they are everywhere. They're flying, and they're flying them. They're busting them every day out of these border cities all across our country, and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, you talk about all of these folks coming over, and then you have a potential risk for increase in crime. You have trafficking. You have the drugs that are that are coming over the border. Uh, what has been the response uh, from folks about this this legislation that you're looking to get through? It's been very good. We've, we've called uh, law enforcement people across our country. They're very much into that. Right now, again, they have no authority. And so all they need is just a little authority where they can help the people in their communities and their towns to, to step up and do the right thing. Yeah, and how about the Border Patrol agents? Are they on, on board with this as well? Oh, they're on board big time. They have no help. They're, they're overwhelmed. They, they can't uh, patrol the border. Right now, all they are is desk clerks. And it's just a, it's just, it's a shame. It really is. I've been down there. I've been at the border. I've seen a, I've seen a person uh, uh, face down in the Rio Grande River that's just drowned recently. Uh, that happens uh, daily. But they're coming across right and left, and it's just, it's just sad. And and again, if you don't live down there, you really don't understand. But people across this country are going to start understanding because they are coming to an area near you. Yeah, they fast. don't. Yeah, they don't stay on the border. I mean, uh, the folks that don't know or maybe haven't been through this before, they don't realize that these people go throughout the country, don't they? That's exactly right. Secretary Mohorkas, the Homeland Security uh, Secretary, went down a few days ago and said, it looked like it's under control, or he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, it is, it, it's absolutely amazing. The security of the people of this country is the number one thing for our government, and we're absolutely failing them. Senator, you went to the border. Lots of other senators have gone to the border, but the uh, president hasn't gone to the border, and the vice president hasn't gone to the border yet. 
No, and they're not going to go. They care nothing about it. They want as many to come across as possible. They're globalists. Uh, they want votes. And uh, it's affecting the lives of these people, not just the people in our country. And it's just it's a shame what's going on. There's no leadership here in Washington, D.C. The, the Border Patrol and custom agents are doing the best they can. They get them across now. They put them on planes and buses as quick as they can. They're sending them everywhere. And who knows what's going to happen after that? Um, it seems like they need more border patrol aid help in the in the interim. But do they need to have a better plan long term if there's going to be this much of a flood and actually hire more border patrol agents? Well, this is not going to happen for the Biden administration. The Biden blunders continue to go and go. They do need help. Uh, you know, President Trump at times he would send the National Guard down in that area. Now they have people coming down to help that are that are sheriffs, that are deputies. Uh, the Texas Rangers are helping in Texas. They're working at it hard, but again, they're overwhelmed. When you have three, four, five thousand 5,000 a day coming across, you've got no chance. You have no chance to be organized, to be able to take care of them, and then protect the American people. Senator, this legislation also extends the 180-day detainment period, correct? Exactly right. 180 days. If, if, if ICE catches somebody now, then they think they've uh, uh, been convicted or pulled off a murder or a robbery or, or rape, uh, uh, child trafficking, anything like that, drugs, they can only hold them to 180 days. If they can't get them convicted within that time, they have to release them back in the United States, not in another country, back in our neighborhoods. All right, uh, Coach, let me ask you this. Uh, it, it, spring games last uh, month. Uh, do you get excited this time of year? I mean, you'd have a new season coming up, new players, uh, uh, new schedule. Uh, what are you feeling this time of year when it comes to football? Well, first of all, after the pandemic, everybody's fired up about doing something different. But, yeah, th this time of year, you're just kind of putting plans together. You know, the pro teams are doing their in, uh, uh, spring workouts. They're getting ready to go to camp here in about a month, month and a week. So it's right around the corner. Hopefully, it looks like we've got this pandemic in the rearview mirror. Uh, CDC finally woke up and started looking at the science themselves and said, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Thank God that's finally happened. So let's get on with life and let's get back to sports. And uh, if we can overcome these Biden blunders that they've done the, the first four months of his, uh, uh, of his term, then uh, we can get this country back on track. But they have got to make some adjustments to what they're doing. Now, if you had to pick an opening game to go to in September or August, whenever they start, is it going to be Auburn? Where is it going to be? Well, I'll have to look at the schedule. I haven't looked at it yet. But, of course, now I'm, I'm, I'm representing everybody in the state of Alabama now. I know, I know that that's hard for me because I've, I fought Alabama every year. I know. We could. But, uh, no, it's uh, – uh, Nick Saban's a good friend of mine. I could go to a game there. Could go to Auburn, Auburn as a new coach, or I could go to another game there in the state. We have some other other uh, teams, and we have UAB that has a brand new forty-five thousand seat stadium. They're going to open up in Birmingham this year. So that's fabulous. Looking forward to their well, games. You're, you're one of the the best coaches out there, and now one of the best senators. And we appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome back to Saturday Report. I'm Carl Higby. Our next guest is the country music superstar John Rich is back again. He's taken that fame, though, to support other veterans. He's my kind of dude. Let's welcome in John Rich. We appreciate you being here, sir. Good to see you again, Mr. Carl. Good to be with you on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, John, uh, 
jump right into it. This Thursday, you have a huge, huge event at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Folds of Honor. I love this. This is this is fantastic. This organization is great. Tell us about what's going on. Well, so you know, Folds of Honor is a uh, organization that I think is second to none in this country. They subsidize the education for kids and for spouses uh, who lost someone in their family, given the ultimate sacrifice for this country, or 100% disabled from serving in our. So. You know, I've been behind them uh, since the day I launched Redneck Riviera Brands, which is whiskey and barbecue sauce and Red Gold Tomatoes is now a partner. They're going to be there. So it's really a convergence of, of a lot of people, business, uh, people that all share the same passion for our military and, and show great honor and respect and gratefulness for their service. And this is a way that uh, we get to honor them out in front of a lot of people, raise a lot of awareness about Folds of Honor and keep doing this good work. For sure. And, you know, I want to get to the uh, Redneck Riviera brand in a minute because uh, it's, it's an important thing. And it's obviously since meeting you, it's been near and dear to me. But, you know, what is this love for veterans? You have a lot of people out there, especially in today's society where it's like, you know, not not a lot of people on the left are, for, uh, you know, friends of law enforcement. But, like, you have made a career move of supporting veterans, men and women in uniform. Do you get... Uh, do you get flack for it, and where does it come from for you? And, and you know, like, why wouldn't you change it? Oh man, anybody that's going to give somebody flack for uh, loving their country and supporting the military and the men and women who keep it safe and keep it strong, uh, then that that's that's fine with me. They can, they can talk all they want. It doesn't change the truth. The truth of the matter is, if it weren't for men and women willing to fight to keep this country free, this country would have gone down a long time ago. You know, the, all the way back to the greatest generation and then prior to that, uh, all the wars, all the countries that have tried to take America out because we threatened them with our level of freedom and our level of ingenuity. We're the leaders. You know, they want to be the lead because we have men and women in our military that have kept this country safe and free and give guys like me and guys like you, which you fought for it too, and thank you for your service, the right to pursue happiness. I have a high school diploma. I grew up in a double wide trailer in Texas. I'm nothing fancy, but I have the American dream in my back pocket. Thanks to all those military and women who have kept it uh, safe for guys like me to enjoy. You know, it's important to go there. Today, if I see a firefighter or a cop or something, like I leave here and I go to get Chick-fil-A and I see them there, I buy their meal for them. And the way I think about it is as much like you. It's like, look, anybody who's willing to run towards the gunfire, run into the burning building while everyone else is running out, you're, you're good with me. Um, you know, but this is like almost uniquely conservative. It used should be universal. I can't imagine why it wouldn't be. But you know, conservative values—they're incredibly important to you, and they're obviously incredibly important to me too. But you made news recently saying, "Look, a lot of country music stars are afraid to speak out because we're under attack." Why do you think that is? Well, you know, for me, it's the same story. I get attacked all the time for what I say, and that's fine. You know, if, if everybody likes what I'm saying, then I'm not saying it correctly. Mm. That—that's the way I look at it. And I think a lot of country singers out there don't do what I've done because they don't want to take the heat. They don't want to take the fallout that may happen. But I look at it from the totally other side, and that is my freedom of speech to me is more valuable than having the approval of a, of a liberal entertainment industry. You know, One of those things is permanent and one of those things is not. And what's permanent is our country, our freedom, what we're founded on, the right, not the right to be happy the right to pursue happiness. There's a big distinction between those two things. 
I come on the latter end of that. I think an able body, you should be out there working and exhausting your potential. Declaration of Independence says the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, it's funny, too. Something that I pointed out, my, my wife is big into the pop culture sort of thing. and I, I asked her, you know, there's always like some, you know, some pop star or some rock star or rap star. They're going to jail. They're getting in trouble. They're crashing their car. They're getting DUIs. But country music stars, they don't have that problem in the same volume. That Why is that? I think uh, country music generally, you know, it's grounded in a lot of really stable things like family, country, hard work. You know, um, I, I've made a, I've made it kind of my credo: work hard, play hard. It says it on everything I do because that's the way I was raised. My granny Rich, who passed away last summer, 88 and a half years old, was still running her own business 40 hours a week at 88 years old, man. Jeez. And if you ask her, Granny, why are you still working? She would pull a, a Marlboro cigarette up take a long draw and she'd say because I can and that's what you're supposed to do when you live in this country that's the way Americans are supposed to operate you're supposed to bring something to the table be an asset to other people push yourself exhaust your potential we're the only country in the world that allows its people the right to pursue happiness and I think that people that don't understand how special that is are people that have never gone without it yeah I mean it says something about how you were brought up and why you're here today and all the good you're doing. You know, I want to talk about uh, what we talked about a little bit earlier, this uh, honor this honor of veterans event. And all you do, it's all connected to your brand, Redneck Riviera Bar and Restaurant. In fact, you uh, you have your own boot brand. Uh, you actually sent me a pair so graciously. Oh, there they are. They have this camera. They have the technology to put the camera on my boots. Good thing I'm not wearing a kilt or something like that. Um, <laughs> You know, it, so your new 1776 barbecue sauce, which is dope, by the way, just won a huge award on Thursday. Tell us about that. There it is right there. Yeah, so uh, Red Gold Tomatoes, a fourth-generation American-owned family out of Indiana. That's my partner's on sauce, 100% sourced in the USA, all the way down to the plastic bottle. And you'll see that Folds of Honor logo on it because we give back on every bottle sold back to the Folds of Honor. So it's a great relationship and something I'm really proud of. It'll be front and center. That, along with Redneck Riviera Whiskey, man, it's, it's all part of the festivities. And, of course, Folds of Honor, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, they're all going to be there. It's going to be an incredible day. What's the secret to your great barbecue sauce, just between you and I? Oh, you know, uh, Carl, I'll <laughs> tell you that one. How about that? It's us, and I work on it hard. My son, Cash, he's 10 years old. He would eat barbecue sauce on ice cream if you would let him do it. That's him. I had to find over the over the barrier to pick mine as his favorite, which he finally did. And then we launched it. RedneckRiviera.com has all the stores located that are carrying it, along with the whiskey. We're now in uh, over 11,000 stores, Carl. It's pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, I heard it's made with real bits of eagle. John Rich, we appreciate <laughs> you joining us very much. Thank you for your time, sir. Yep. Vital Farms butter comes from cows with outdoor access all year round. American Family Farm. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do, the driver. Don't panic. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's like, do you laugh or do you cry? Why exactly is the Biden administration reversing itself on whether you can unmask? The answer is because they have to distract from the crappiest news cycle that they have had really since Biden's inauguration. So Biden has been treated to just sycophantic, drooling media coverage since his inauguration. And then this week, inflation hit. The border crisis continues to, to marinate. We've got war in the Middle East. And all this is happening on the back of a horrible employment report. 
So that's a really bad week for this administration. So now it's time to inject some optimism by, you know, actually saying the true thing that we should have said three months ago. Okay, so over at the border, migrant children apparently are still being stuck overnight on buses, according to NBC News. In a vast parking lot outside the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center, minors who migrated to the U.S. without their parents are waiting on buses to be sent to live with relatives or sponsors, staying overnight, eating and using all the, the bathroom, all within the confines of the bus, according to the owner of one of the bus companies and advocates for the children. In at least one, a family says their 15-year-old son waited on buses from Saturday to Wednesday before beginning the long journey from Dallas to Seattle. I mean, so, disaster area. There's still thousands of kids who are being held in close quarters in the middle of, uh, of apparently, you know, the COVID pandemic still applies to migrants. The good news is that the DHS secretary apparently has short-term memory loss. He says he doesn't remember saying that migrants should come. He did. He said, I'm not saying migrants shouldn't come. I'm just saying they shouldn't come right now. He was reminded of this, and Alejandro Mayorkas was like, I don't remember saying that. Me? Who? What? You remember saying, don't you, that we're not telling... Those are your words that I, you said in a press conference. You, you, you said that, right? I don't, I don't recall saying that. I don't believe... You don't I, recall saying that. That's correct, Senator. I have never said... We'd be happy to refresh your memory for you and some questions for the record. I'm sure that, that is interesting news, and I'm sure everyone will... The, the Secretary's just said he, he doesn't have any memory of making those comments. That's Senator, extraordinary. Senator, I have never said that the border is open. Okay, nobody said he said the border is open. He just said, I'm not saying don't come. I'm just saying don't come right now. That's what Mayorka said. But he doesn't remember, so that's good. Meanwhile, by the way, the Biden administration's southern border wall levy, according to Fox News. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers will restart construction on a 13.4-mile stretch of levy in the Rio Grande Valley. The decision reportedly follows pressure from local residents and politicians to mend the incessant crossing surge. Priority repairs are set to begin in six weeks to prevent flooding, followed by the establishment of a concrete levy wall. So, yeah, they're shoring up the wall. That's apparently a super bad wall. Weird. So they've replaced, the, they've sort of reversed themselves on that. Meanwhile, inflation is here. According to the New York Times, the central fact of the American economy in mid-2021 is that demand for all sorts of goods and services has surged. But supplies are coming back slowly, with the economy acting like a creaky machine that was turned off for a year and has some rusty parts. Well, actually, the economy is acting like you would expect it to act when you pay people to stay home and when you tell them it is unsafe to go back to work. The good news is that the Biden administration has no idea what to do with inflation. I mean, no clue. So Jen Psaki's like, you know, the inflation is just a sign that everything is going great. Okay, then, crazy lady, let's go with that. We've seen... Um over the last couple of days, to your point, um, some reaction to the CPI numbers uh, that came out just yesterday. And, you know, our view on that is it reflects the reality of an economy that's rapidly turning uh, back on uh, because of a successful economic strategy. And if you dig into the data, there are a couple of factors at play that I think people are taking a look at now that we've dug into the data more. Okay, yeah, the factors at play are that everybody had more savings at the end of last year than they had at the beginning of last year because the government paid them because they had to pay them to stay home. And then you just continued pumping money into their pockets, and then you said, you don't ever have to go back to work, basically, because we'll pay unemployment benefits all the way through September. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren and the left wing of the Democratic Party, who really ruled the roost, they're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that Biden is governing like a radical. Are you surprised at how progressive the policies are that are being proposed by the president? Oh, not surprised. Delighted. This is the good news. You know, this is one of the best things. I talk about this in the book. Putting out plans means they're there for everybody. And they're there for us to share and improve on and make better. But this seems like big structural change. And I'm sorry, nobody expected that from him. 
Well, all I can say is he ran on the most progressive agenda in decades. Okay, some of us pointed this out at the time, but we were being gaslit by the media that proclaimed that Joe Biden was a moderate. Here's the problem. All of this is starting to bear some really, really ugly fruit. You've got the inflation, you've got the unemployment numbers, they're not great. And then you had people waiting in gas lines. By the way, it turns out the Colonial Pipeline just paid a $5 million ransom to the hackers who hacked the pipeline. Which, of course, is going to incentivize more people to hack pipelines when you pay ransoms like this. This is where the U.S. government really should have stepped in and done something, but they didn't. So, I mean, did the, did the government assure Colonial Pipeline that it would backfill them if they paid the ransom? How exactly did this work? When Bloomberg News asked Joe Biden if he was briefed on the company's ransom payment, the president paused and then said, I have no comment on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, all of this is going really well. Plus, Joe Biden continues to be an utterly incoherent boob. I mean, he just... Joe, Joe Biden's war with the teleprompter continues. Basically, it's now, it's now Rocky. It's like Joe Biden is Apollo Creed and the teleprompter is Rocky. And they just keep having these repeat battles every day. I expect any moment that the teleprompter is going to run up the stairs of the Philadelphia Museum of Art and throw its non-arms in the air. Because like the, the continuing battle between Joe Biden and the teleprompter is one of the most fascinating battles in American public life. I can't wait for, for Joe Biden versus the teleprompter part three when Mr. T comes in. He's like, I pity the fool who can't read a teleprompter. Anyway, here is, here is Joe Biden battling the teleprompter. The rule is very simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. It's vaccinated or mask. Get vaccinated. It's vaccinated or mask. Sounds like Mike Myers and so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> Unlove Ed. Unvax Ed. What in the what in the actual Okay, and then and that was that was the, the, the first Joe Biden versus the teleprompter. Uh, in that one, they fought to a draw. In Joe Biden versus the teleprompter, too, the, the teleprompter comes with a clear knockout. Now, here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers. Don't panic, number one. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's like, I don't know. Do you, do you laugh or do you cry? I mean, really. Solid stuff there from, from the teleprompter. Teleprompter comes with a clear victory right there. That's a TKO in, like, round two by the teleprompter. I need that again. What, what, was that in English? Play it again. Now, here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do, the drivers. Don't panic, number one. Here's what drivers should do. Here's what drives the drivers in the drive truvy in the Ryan Gosling movie Drive. Drivers drive Trubin, Trubin, Yeah, everything is going fantastically. So, is it any wonder that the CDC reversed itself yesterday? I know what you're thinking. It's time to binge some more Ben Shapiro.
classic story about a bumbling old gray-haired geriatric pseudoscientist who lived in isolation and everyone laughed at him and thought he was crazy. But then the old crazy guy invented time travel and took us all on a ride. No, no, we're not talking about Doc Brown from Back to the Future. We're talking about President Joe Biden, and he's not taking us back to the idyllic year of 1955. No, no, Joe Biden's taking us back to 1975. Hop on into the Build Back Better DeLorean, kids. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, and we have no gas. But if you need some plutonium... You can check with the Iranians. We're planning on funding Iran again, in case you didn't know. They will have plenty of radioactive material soon. So why is your tax dollars going to fund the largest sponsor of terror in the world? Well, because Joe Biden is indeed putting us into a time machine and taking us backwards. The worst days in America are right ahead of us. Biden's even hanging out with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids version of Jimmy Carter in order to figure out how to get us back to the 70s as fast as possible. Seriously, what's wrong with this photo? The longer you look at it, it gets worse. Can we do a quick meme break, guys? Can we do a meme break? Can we do, just, I, I need some memes of this, this creepy photo. <laughs> yes, yes, Elf. Uh, honey, we shrunk the Carters, that's correct. <laughs> Rick Moranis on the, in the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What a weird photo. Are they little people? Do they live in a tree? Do they make cookies? What is this? Guys, studio, anyone? No one can help me. I don't know. I wouldn't eat a Jimmy Carter elf cookie because the last time Jimmy Carter fed this nation anything, it was communism, socialism, and a destroyed country. That's right, and that's what we're getting with Joe Biden right now. Back to the 70s, return to the 70s. Biden's clearly following Jimmy Carter's advice on how to be a one-term socialist failure. So what happened in the 1970s that made them so bad? I wasn't born yet, so I don't actually remember. But my father does, and Mr. Johnson joins us in just a few minutes to tell us what the 70s was really like. But here's an important reminder. When we say the 70s, we're not talking about this. Beautiful fresh fruit, meet warm, crispy crumble. Get your ingredients today. But here's an important reminder. When we say the 70s, we're not talking about this. Yeah. We're talking about something higher than John Travolta's pants there. The cost of a dollar going down. The value of a dollar going down, the value of inflation going up. For those of you younger viewers who don't know your history, this is what I mean by the 1970s. Hyperinflation, skyrocketing interest rates, a crumbling dollar, a Middle East in chaos, racial division, racial division and massive gas lines. Does that sound familiar? Just look out your window. We're here. Joe Biden just created time travel. Great, Scott. And here are the four leading data indicators that we are heading directly back to the 1970s. One, the economy is collapsing. Biden had one of the most devastating job reports in American history. It was so bad it took the breath away from even his most boot-licking sycophants. On CNBC, the anchor reading the April jobs numbers was so horrified by them that he thought they were a typo. Watch the this. The number here just came across. <laughs> ah. Ah. Sorry about Rick that. Talk. It came across so very sorry. quickly here. It looks <laughs> like 266,000. Ooh. 
It looks like it was a big disappointment at 266. There you go. But maybe I have that wrong. Let me double check the Bureau website here. Is it a typo? Uh, one Are the numbers so bad it's a typo? Uh, yes, 266 is correct. What are you tell me, change, little change is 6%. Ooh, <laughs> look at the pain and suffering in the eyes. The sadness. You can see the life leaving their body. Here is an arch-liberal host, by the way, Jim Cramer, on that same network in 2019, talking about Donald Trump. You can't contradict that these are the best numbers of our lives. Yeah. You can't! I mean, we had guns and butter when we were doing these things 50 years ago. And that followed with inflation and recession. I don't see inflation. I don't see recession. 50 years ago, that number was a curse. Now it's a blessing. You know, and you know something, Joe? It doesn't, I can't, it doesn't matter whether you hate them or like them. These are real numbers. Doesn't matter if you hate them or like them. Real numbers. Donald Trump, real results. Joe Biden, those are the real numbers. Joe Biden will never get a clip like that from CNBC. It's always downward now. It's terrible for the rest of us. U.S. unemployment rate in the mid-1970s was at 5.4%. We are now at 6.1% and rising under Joe Biden. Remember, the worst is yet to come. The old Biden adage. Gas shortages and gas lines are the next thing that reminds you of the 1970s. Come again. Look at this footage. Is it from 1971 or 2021? Who can know? The correct answer is actually it's from both. We have gas lines now and skyrocketing gas prices in our country again. Why? The same reason we had them in the 1970s. Incompetent, feeble Democrat command of our infrastructure. When was the last time Joe Biden filled up a tank of gas, by the way? When was the last time Joe Biden touched his own car door handle? These are important questions. Perhaps that's why Joe Biden says insane communist things like this. We're going to get rid of fossil fuels? Okay, well, mission accomplished, Joe. Fantastic. Have you looked outside? Have you seen a gas station? I did. Traveling to Newsmax today, I looked at the gas station price, and it was $4 a gallon. Because you refuse to secure our infrastructure, millions of Americans wait in gas lines. I waited in one today. See, here's a photo. See that? $4 gas. Highest national gas price in seven years in America. Massive inflation is also something that our current era has in common with the 1970s. The rate of inflation was 1.4% in January, 1.4% while Trump was still president. According to the Consumer Price Index, inflation has surged 4.2% now in April, the highest level in over a decade. Yes, inflation is coming. Commodities like lumber, corn, copper are going insane. If you've bought groceries lately, you know this. The price of Parmesan cheese has gotten so high that Hunter Biden can no longer afford to smoke it. Speaking <laughs> of crippling drug abuse, drug abuse is the final thing that our era has in common with the 1970s. Now, the 1970s were filled with scumbag drug-using hippies everywhere. They were annoying and they smelled bad, but with the exception of Charles Manson, they didn't really kill anyone. That has all changed in Biden's America. Remember everything gets worse. Due to Biden's border crisis, there has been a 233% increase in fentanyl seizures at the southern border. More than 36,000 Americans died overdosing in overdoses that involved synthetic opioids in 2019, and that number is rising. These similarities should horrify all Americans, but especially those who cast a vote for Joe Jimmy Carter. You did this to our country. You took us back to the 1970s. Damn you. Shame on you.
And great Scott, I swear, if you bring back bell bottoms, I'm moving to Greenland. And you want to know how you can be sure that Joe Biden is definitely the next Jimmy Carter? You didn't even realize that I swapped their faces, did you? Ha! Gotcha. You just watched Newsmax TV. Let's uh, rip into Rachel Maddow's. Uh, this is extraordinary oh, stuff. Hyperbole. Well, she's pretty much admitted on her program that she has to rewire her brain to cope with people not wearing masks anymore. Let's have a look. When I was talking to people today about this new guidance and what to ask her, everybody had very personal feelings about it, and I realized I did too in all these questions. Part of it is that I feel like I'm going to have to rewire myself so that when I see somebody out in the world who's not wearing a mask, I don't instantly think, you are a threat, <laughs> or you are selfish, or you are a COVID denier, and you definitely haven't been vaccinated. I mean, we're going to have to rewire the way that we look at each other, because the CDC's guidance, which she just told me, we are sure, is that if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, except in very specific circumstances. Hey, Newark, there's 60,000 plus job openings. Rita, what have we got? We've got some, uh, we've got the British Labour Party. We're just talking about them, but uh, you've got some great stuff on them. Take it away. But first to the US. It's been less than four months since Donald Trump departed the White House. Rita, what a surprise. Knock me down with a feather. Land taxes and property taxes going through the roof in the socialist state of Victoria. Well, yes, we already pay the highest property taxes in the country and they're going up. Uh, this is the Victoria's uh, state budget is going to uh, be handed down on Thursday and it's just full of great news for suffering investors and businesses who've really been hit hard uh, through this pandemic in Victoria, which had the longest uh, lockdown in the country, 112 days, the toughest lockdown. And now, instead of getting some relief, instead of getting some stimulus and, and, and uh, a plan to recovery, they're going to be hit with increased taxes and some new taxes. So good times here in Victoria, Rowan. Oh, God. Unbelievable. But as I said, no surprise. Caleb, we're going to be talking to an American parent shortly, or hopefully, who was brave enough to speak out against what's happening in schools. Caleb, we're going to be talking to an American parent shortly, or hopefully, who was brave enough to speak out against what's happening in schools. But parents are particularly outraged in South Australia. Tell us why. Yes, the uh, Australian Maths and Science School has this uh, mob called the Rainbow Club, um, which presumably is, is made up of the LGBTIQ plus whatever the extra letters are, friends. Um, Apparently only has uh, two or three people in this club, but they were organising basically a, a wear-what-you-want-to-school day and uh, uh, encouraging kids to sort of come to school and express their gender identity. They're saying, come to school, boys wear dresses, uh, girls wear trousers, whatever, dress up like the opposite sex. And, you know, understandably, this raised the interest of a few parents uh, who wrote in to the advertiser where I work, and complained that these kids apparently were being told about gender fluidity, they were being told to question their gender identity, work out what their gender identity was. Perhaps if you put on a dress, you'll work it out faster. Oh, my God. Seriously. Jesus. Is it any it's surprise? It's child abuse. It's and, child and, abuse. Oh, 
And look, there's no suggestion that, you know, this was driven by the teachers, but clearly it was endorsed by <laughs> the school. And when it's no wonder when you look at uh, NAPLAN results uh, and, and the results of students in Australia now compared to other OECD nations, that we are falling behind at a rate of knots. When you've Absolutely. got Vietnam doing better than us at uh, maths and, and uh, language, you've seriously got to ask what's going wrong. So instead well, of teaching obviously in Vietnam, they need... hours, we do this stuff. Exactly. In Vietnam, they obviously haven't got their cross-dressing uh, clothes worked out. Um, Rita, tell us about... Uh, I always... I'm, you've got to help me out here because I'm very, very confused. Because I thought Zali Steggles was a conservative candidate, a former liberal who was just slightly better than Tony Abbott. Did I, did I misunderstand that in the election campaign? Well, that's how she was presented. You weren't mistaken. There were several media outlets and Zali herself. She was the alternative conservative. So if you voted Liberal all your life, you didn't have to feel badly about switching to Zali because she's just like you. She just really cared about the environment. Just not enough to actually put solar panels on her own roof, but, you know, she really cares about the environment. But here she is day after the budget with Lydia Thorpe and uh, who else is this? Sarah Hansen, young standing on the, her other side. Sally Steggall, there they are, protesting against climate change and uh, uh, saying that industries are destroying the country and our climate and culture. So this is the so-called conservative that <laughs> Ringer replaced a former prime minister with, you absolute fools. Uh, well, uh, you know, I mean, you're not trying to tell me that they were conned, were you, Rita? I mean, seriously, Zali Steggles uh, happened there in Chelsea. Uh, Rita, tell us about the FA Cup final. What happened there in Chelsea? Well, the independent is very perturbed by this because the fans booed the players taking the knee. The players are still taking a knee over there for Black Lives Matter or whatever it is they're doing. And uh, the fans were in attendance for this. Uh, they, they were allowed back. And, yeah, there was fairly uh, loud booing happening because, again, most normal people don't embrace a toxic, racially charged group that's... Unapologetic uh, uh, about being a neo-Marxist group. They're anti-capitalist. They're anti-police. They're anti-nuclear family. And I have no idea why these sportsmen earning millions of dollars playing sport yeah, exactly. are taking a knee for a Marxist group. It makes zero sense. The mob always finds you out, as Richard always says, and the mob there have you know, figured that mob out. Caleb, a self-proclaimed vegan and animal lover and his tradie mate have pleaded guilty to what precisely in South Australia? Oh, can you believe... I mean, you know, we never expect hypocrisy from vegans and lefties. That would never happen, would it? But this bloke, um, he was out with his mate on a, uh, a jet ski... Uh, out off the beach and he's riding around dangerously close to a pod of dolphins and uh, happened to be in a boat just a little uh, uh, way away uh, a boat full of marine biologists and you know they saw what was going on and ushered these blokes over and they come over and they admonish them uh, they then respond by riding directly over the top of this pod of dolphins and these oh, two Jesus. blokes get up in court in Adelaide this week and one of them says he is a vegan the bloke who was riding the jet ski says he's a vegan and he's an animal lover he even goes on to say that he is a volunteer environmental defender I mean seriously I, I know we expect 
um, a hypocrisy from these sorts of people. But, you know, oh, well, I can't have a steak because that's cruel to the cows. But it's perfectly good to get on my jet ski and ride over the top of a pot of dolphins and terrorise them. What I want to do is I want to have a chat with someone who knows a fair bit about China and the potential military stuff, and that is Jim Mullen, who's um, uh, one of my friends. Because Australia is starting to wise up to what's going on there. It's uh, leaving Beijing pretty red-faced. Between the PM tearing up Andrew, um, between the PM talking about uh, the issues that we have with Taiwan, it's now we've got to get a sober head, someone who understands military about it. And uh, that's why I'm delighted to be joined by Jim. Are you there, Jim? Corey, I certainly am. And, and Sam, it's good to see another handsome man. That's three of us. <laughs> you, you could have put a tie on for us, uh, General, or, or, or worn <laughs> on, your, your, your fatigued. But I've got to ask this question, mate. Um, how's your health? I haven't, I haven't spoken uh, to you personally since, uh, since you took some leave. No, th- thanks for asking. I'm, I've finished radiation and I'm between radiation and chemo. I start chemo next next uh, Friday, which I think I got away radiation without Mark's side effects. I don't think I'll do the same with chemo. But it's going well, mate. Well, uh, so my, my dulcet tones on this issue will be heard for a long time to come, I hope. All right. Well, what do you make of... Good to have you with us. Do we really need to keep borders closed for another 13 months, do you think? Well, closed for whom? I think they're returning from their travels to come home. Uh, I think we're all supportive of that. But I think we've also got to recognise that our country has some benefits from the record low period of permanenting into Australia. We had big Australia migration numbers. It's next to zero. The Reserve Bank said this has helped to ease the rental housing crisis in the big cities and most importantly it's given hope of wage increases as the labour market tightens. Now if we haven't got enough agricultural workers let's get the unemployed with a bit of training out there um, doing that work and if we're going to get wage increases by not flooding the Australian labour market with migrants uh, there's a lot of workers who welcome that because they haven't had a wage increase for a decade. But, well, how long do you wait, though? How long do you wait before you say, let's engage with the rest of the world? Well, Chris, we've got to be obviously careful about this, and the Prime Minister says he'll wait for the health advice, but Australia's had one enormous natural advantage in fighting COVID, and that is we're an island, an island that hasn't got porous borders. So for that reason, you want to cash in on your advantage. I mean, Australians obviously look at India, uh, we've looked at Europe, the United Kingdom, uh, the United States uh, over the past 15 months. And mostly we've looked with horror, but also gratitude that Australia has avoided all those problems. So I'm on the side of a more cautious approach. Uh, I don't see, for instance, the need to rush back into big overseas university student numbers. That's just been a milch cow for the research entitlements of the universities. They became over-reliant on the Chinese foreign student uh, income as well. So, you know, there's some lessons to be learned uh, so you don't, on the you, mistakes. So you, don't think the New South, so you don't think the New South Wales government is on the right ticket when they say we want to bring foreign students in ASAP? Well, not in the big numbers that we had previously, because it led to an over-reliance on China. Now, obviously, that's, uh, that's got to end for sensible national security reasons. And some of these universities, instead of serving Australian students and giving them the best uh, learning and education, they just wanted to shovel the overseas students in at deteriorated uh, learning standards and, and, and the quality of lectures and tutorials. And it was just uh, money 
to put into their research entitlements that drove higher and higher salaries for the Chancellor. So I think we should break that cycle. And you've also got to recognise that overseas students, particularly in the casuals labour market, take Australian jobs. So. All right, let's get to the news. Tonight um, is the holiday of Shavuot. Remember to count Spirit of Omer today's last day, which is the 49th day. Congratulations for those who um, counted all of Spirit of Omer. Um, We spoke about the Israel, Israel, uh, how crazy it is. And how it's been and how it's future. Meanwhile, the um, the former president of the United States of America plans to uh, do two events next month. One around uh, uh, July 4th holiday. And according to person familiar with his plans, Trump team still determining to venues. It says that he's determining... For um, June also. So look out for a uh, something around June. Meanwhile, breaking news. Walmart and Costco dropped store mask requirement for customers and employees who are fully vaccinated. I don't know if you have to. I'm not sure if you have to show your vaccinated card. But they dropped their vaccine uh, they dropped their va- um, mass requirement. Um, next, let's see what else is on. Disney World, the world's um, other U.S. amusement park parks, updated the um, their mask policies following the latest CDC guideline guidance advising the that fully vaccinated people are no longer n- no longer to wear masks outdoor in and indoor pl- most places. So yeah, a lot of people. Are coming out and saying no masks. Yesterday, Publix shopping today at fully vaccinated. You won't need to wear a mask. Walmart, Costco, and Trader Joe's are also making masks optional for customers vaccinated of COVID-19. Against COVID-19. Excuse me. Texas Senator Ted Cruz said, says that he will be traveling to Israel in the coming days to assess what they need to protect their national security, which is closely tied to America's national security. 
A Gaza rocket landed inside a synagogue in Ashkelon, in Israel, moments ago, um, last night. In miraculously, the uh, Sefer Torah, the um, Ark Kodesh of the Ark, and Sefer Torah, the um, wasn't damaged at all. Catalining times are um oh people were se several people were um injured in the Stalin Shul. Bleachers has clapped in Carlin Stalin Shul and give out Zev. Emergency services are on, on scene. Meanwhile, we pray for those people. According to the Channel 12 news, about 50 people were lightly injured and 4 people were moderately injured. A multi-casualty incident was cancelled by MADA um, and the incident is under control. About 60 casualties, including 2 critical conditions, 6 um, critical condition, um, 50 injured, yeah. They're still investigating the whole thing. Meanwhile, let's get to our, um, new, still news. Jewish girls, two Jewish girls surrounded, were surrounded by free Palestine protesters in Montreal. They managed to drive away shaken but unharmed. Sound ridiculous, right? I would, I would just flee and just try to. Get the heck out. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Two dead. Um, after those benches were collapsed in uh, Stalin. Two dead. Confirmed. Unfortunately. May those um, losses be remembered. Thousands of uh, Jewish people are stationed in Mezbich, um for the Yontif of Shuas as um, the Baal Shemtov's Yurtzai is on the 
um, holiday of of um, of the of um, the holiday of and also King David. Yes, King David. Yeah, the wonderful King David. Nothing like him. Let's get to the... Uh, I'm trying to find the um, candlelighting times for everybody. Hold on. I like to say the candlelighting times for everybody. Just give me one minute. You know what? I'll do this. I actually need to print out. Yeah. So it's a good thing I'm on that. Alright, so Ershwood, which is today. Um candlelighting is at seven fifty today. Tomorrow Candlelighting will be at Seven fifty today. Tomorrow will be after eight oh nine. Eight oh nine. Correct. Um, and Shavuot ends Tuesday after eight fifty seven. Correct. One last thing from a quote from Donald Trump on. Um, his website. Congratulations to Drew Mikasic on a great win today to re in his re-election. As chairman, Republican Party of the South Carolina, it was a great win against a strong, talented opponent. The Republican Party of South Carolina is in good hands. We will continue to go on victory as we have had in the past two presidential elections. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, have a wonderful Chag uh, and enjoy your wonderful weekend and long weekend especially. The weather is going to be great by the way. I looked at the weather for New Jersey. Um, it looks wonderful. Um, like say area is going to be Let's look at the Passaic, New Jersey for for um the for tomorrow it's gonna be seventy three Tuesday it's gonna be seventy nine uh, later today um it's gonna be going down to the f um 
around the 50s tomorrow um early tomorrow morning it's in 50s and then the high tomorrow is going to be 73 so yeah and in in uh towards yeah so it's great it's a great uh weekend straight for us again ladies and gentlemen before we go um the Yankees um, has have a ninth member of their traveling party test positive for COVID nineteen, and um, their third base coach Phil Nevin and their first base coach Reggie Wallets, pitching coach Matt Blake. Four and four support staffers were among the positive um, positives last week. Team announced that infielder Gilbert Torres tested positive. Oh, Sunday, Yankees manager Aaron Boone told, which is today, reporters that of the team's ninth positive case coming from the mem staff member via Jack Curry of the New York Yankees um, Yankee Gas Network. All nine people, three coaches, five staff members, and one player who tested positive had been fully vaccinated, said. Here's the team's statement after tours. Um, we spoke, we said this yesterday. Uh, Nevin reportedly showed mild symptoms, and the other seven were um, asymptomatic. Torres was held out on Wednesday of the lineup. And the joint committee reviewed the test results. The positive test came after Yankees archived a 85% vaccination threshold for relaxed health safety protocols. The high rate of breakthrough positives, um, the official term for positive test after being vaccinated, he has led to the center the CDC and prevention looking into the Yankees situation. Here's what the CDC says. Rachel Waskale. With regard to the, with, to the Yankees, we obviously need to learn more about this, that situation. She said, my understanding is that six of the seven reports, um, six out of, of the seven report infections were indeed asymptomatic infections. And we will look at more, more data from that report to understand what happened. There, um, all of the real world data have been, we've seen that's been published literature, large studies in many different settings have demonstrated that those vaccines are effective and um, have a high effectiveness against the disease. The Yankees have received the single shot Johnson Johnson vaccination um, last month because they met 85, the 85% threshold. Um, vaccinated individuals were no longer required to um, have to quarantine. If they are identified um, as a close contact to someone who tested positive, Unless they have symptoms, 
The protocols um, are being reviewed amid the break web, um, breakdown of the Yankees' COVID issue. Nothing personal, David Simmons says that. But part of the initiative from LMB, achieving at least 85% vaccinated the t- for teams tier 1 individuals um, included relaxing of the COVID restriction Individuals will not have to wear masks in the dugout or bullpen. We're no longer required to wear um, leagues, COVID tracing um, programs, tracking devices, um, and are allowed to gather for activities in the clubhouse. Teams, bu- Team buses, planes, tier one includes... Um, the team traveling party or players, coaches, trainers, and other assorted staff for teams that reach 85% um, vaccinated marks. They they also are given the option to be exempt from the league's twice-weekly testing. So that's the um, news about the Yankees. We'll continue to um, talk about this um, to the future of our podcast. Have a wonderful day, ladies and gentlemen.